Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. How about a bigger hand clap for Jesus Christ, head of the church, king of kings, Lord of lords. Doesn't it feel good to be in revival? How many of you can see that God's not finished with America yet? Well, I want to I welcome everybody from our church in Pittsburgh, Revival Today Church, that took the bus ride down and uh, joined us. I want to welcome everybody from West Virginia. I want to welcome everybody from Ohio that doesn't know what a passing lane is for. <laughs> Wherever you came from. And then, you know, we, we're just at just under 1,000 people watching online just on YouTube. And about, if you add all the platforms together at a time, not total views. So we have an extra, extra about 1,300 watching a night, and I bet it'll be up. Everybody that's in the back, everybody that's in the lobby, glad that you're here. I'm going to move around and get to you, so don't feel left out. In fact, I'm going to do something crazy, and tonight I'm going to lay hands on everybody in the building. How's that? Everybody that can't fit in the building. We're going to have a blowout service just to stick it to the devil. Amen? I want to invite somebody that's very precious to me and who I love so much that hasn't been here this week but is here tonight and give her a chance to greet you. I want to welcome my wife, Pastor Donna Shuttlesworth. This, this lady, and I'm not trying to score points with my, my wife because we already have a good, good marriage. The county magistrate let me move back in with her, so things are going good. Um, I wanted to... Man, there's still people coming. This is insane. <laughs> this is crazy. This is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Yeah, and then I'll, we'll vacate the stage soon so you have the whole front row as well. And then after that, I don't know what else you'll do with people. Maybe you can put those Velcro jackets on them and then the Velcro on the wall and throw them up on the wall. We can get creative. Um, you know, like last week when I was preaching down here every night, she, we have church going on. And so she does all the services back there. And then we have prayer every afternoon, Tuesday through Friday. And then I, when I came home Saturday, I crashed. I never left the house, or I did the, the seniors brunch, and then I just went and chilled. She, she did like 10 loads of laundry. She gets no days off. She does everything I do, plus all house and family stuff. And I'm telling you, this woman is an amazing woman, not just as a wife, but as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know many of you love her, so please give a warm hand clap for my wife of 16 years. Thank you. How's everybody doing? It feels really good in here. Uh, we've been watching from home and we've seen the progression of this revival. And it just, this is what it's all about. Amen. 
And yesterday, something special happened. It seemed like the Holy Ghost was throwing bombs out in the crowd. And all of a sudden, you could just see it. And you could feel the anointing e even through the, the screen. And so that's why we're here. That's why we're like, you know what? Y'all need to get your act together, get on that bus and come down here. Uh, because we want to be where revival is. Amen? And so this church has such a great spirit. And we want to connect with it. We want to... Uh, have a face-to-face -face encounter with God. And you know you can have that tonight. The Bible says your expectation shall never be cut off. And so I hope that you've come expecting God to do a miracle in your life. And I don't know what it is that you came in here with. I don't know if you, you know, have the weight of the world on you, but I want you to know in the anointing, the heavy yoke is broken. And so whatever heaviness you have, I wish that you would lay it down and pick up the yoke that's easy and light. Amen. You can leave here changed. You don't have to leave here the same way you came in. Can you say amen? amen. Turn to your neighbor and smile. Yeah, yeah, that's the start of it. That's the start of it. Just smile. Sometimes you just need to smile through it because in the middle of what seems to be chaos, in the middle of what seems to be desolation, there's a spring bubbling forth. Do you perceive it? Can you see it with your eyes that God is doing something new here in America? And we get to be a part of that today, tonight. Amen? Are you ready? Are you hungry? Amen. God's going to do something really powerful here tonight. And you might have sat up in the balcony thinking you're hiding, but the Holy Ghost knows who you are. And you might be out in the shadows trying to hide, but the Holy Ghost knows who you are. And he going to find you tonight. Amen. Lift up your hands. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for every person here. I thank you that the heavy yoke is broken off of their lives even now. Whatever bad news they received, whatever horrible report they came in with, I thank you, Father God, that that is destroyed. That heavy yoke is destroyed even now in the mighty name of Jesus. And in your presence, there's fullness of joy. So make their joy complete from the top of their head down to the soles of their feet. I speak to the fear in your life and I silence it in the mighty name of Jesus. I command everything of evil, everything of wickedness, everything of anxiety and oppression to fall off of you now in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Now I want you to say something uh, with me. Say, Lord, Lord I, receive I receive what you have in store for me tonight, for me tonight. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Now just grab it like, ooh, I'm going to take time. I love you. I want to play something for you right in the beginning. I, I, I mentioned this in week one, and uh, this is a, a video you're going to see, and I want to play this, and it's the reason we spend money to film it, is so it's basically proving my theories, because there's a lot of people you hear that think God is upset with America. In fact, when COVID hit, that's what you heard a lot of people say. This is God judging America. People don't understand times and seasons. Because this is not the time of God's judgment. The Bible says this is the time. It's getting quiet, so let me show it to you. Take a Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
Who came expecting to receive from the Lord tonight? Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Bible says in verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Everybody say new creature. <laughs> I was in a meeting with Ronnie Howard Brown one time and the place was packed like this. So we went downstairs together and he said, I'm going to take the first half hour and talk about Donald Trump and see if I can free up a few seats. <laughs> just ran like 50 people out of the building to make room for more. But I'm not going to do that. I just thought of that. If any, say with me, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Not a sinner saved by grace, a new creature. How many know we're all sinners saved by grace? Good luck locating that scripture in the Bible. That's not a scripture. If any man be in Christ, he's not the same sinner trying to live a better life. He's a new creature. The old life is dead. Behold, all things have become new. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin or to become sin for us so that we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God said at just the right time I heard you, on the day of salvation I helped you, Indeed, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation right now. And today is the day of salvation. Look at verse 18 again. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God has given us this task. This is the task of the church of reconciling people to God. Uh, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. So I want you to see uh, there, there's different times in the Bible. Everything's not the same. That's how people get goofed up. They go back and read Job and they say, I'm like Job. No, you're not. Job, Job pre-existed Christ. He pre-existed Levitical law. Job couldn't call on Christ. Satan attacked Job. Yeah. And the way Satan attacked Job, he could never attack you. How did Satan attack Job? He went to the presence of God and said, if you let me touch Job, I can get him to curse you. And God said, go ahead. Job was justified by his works. He had to prove his justification. Is the New Testament believer justified by works or by faith? That's right. He, so the access point Satan had to Job, he can never have to us. It was a different time. It was, it was two covenants ago. Then there was a better covenant under the Levitical law, where now there was blood sacrifice, and man had a little bit of a better covenant. And then Christ came and fulfilled the old covenant. When he died, the veil in the temple tore from top to bottom so that man can now have total forgiveness of sin. In the Old Testament, they killed a, blood, a, a bull or a goat and sprinkled that blood for that sin. But now the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, Christ carried his own blood into the Holy of Holies in heaven and laid that blood down so that our sins are forgiven and we're cleansed. And if any man be in Christ, he's now a new creature. Can you say amen? That wasn't available in the old covenant. So it's irritating to me. It's one thing if people don't know or if sinners don't know or a common 
church attender that's been coming for three weeks doesn't know. But when you have COVID hit and you have multiple people start going on television and saying that this is God's judgment against America, they, they, don't, they don't know anything. They, they, they should have their microphone turned off. They don't know anything. Because to say that God is sending disease to kill people because he's angry about abortion. First of all, what sense does that make? I was on a, I was on a talk show the first week of April in uh, 2020. And the, the, there was no pre-interview or anything. And so the preacher was saying what everybody else was saying. And I kind of ruined the program. It was his program. He said, Jonathan, a lot of prophetic voices are saying that this is, COVID is a judgment from God because of the sins for America. What do you have to say about that? And I said, I have to say that those people don't know what they're talking about. And he, he kind of believed that. So he, his eyes got big. He said, what do you mean? I said, somebody explained to me how God could lay the sins of the world on Christ. And then, and he took, the Bible says he became sin for us. He took all sin on him to the point that God the Father had to turn his face from him. And he was crushed by those sins. That's how serious God takes sin. And now is, the Bible says because he did that, now's the time of God's favor. And I told that guy, furthermore, tell me what sense it makes if like what you said, God's upset about abortion. So he sent a disease to kill people that are by and large at that time, more people had died that were over 80 than people that were under the age of, six, uh, of 60 put together. It, it wiped out nursing homes. So you're telling me God's upset at abortion? So he killed a bunch of 90-year-old people that hadn't been on a date in 65 years? <laughs> Tell me what sense that makes. You know, there's people, you got to settle some things in your spirit. God, Jesus didn't come striking people down. He didn't come laying his hands on the healthy and making them sick. He came laying his hands on the sick and making them well. And Jesus doesn't change. God's not looking to destroy people. God's looking to help people. And thanks to people like that, that's why I have to overcome that hurdle when you invite like a journalist friend of mine that didn't know the Lord. She said, I was watching a video of you preaching. The next time you're in Massachusetts, let me know. I, uh, I might come see you. I said, I'm coming in a few weeks. And she said, oh, I don't know. You know, if you knew how I lived, when I stepped foot on there, I might get struck with lightning. I said, no. I had to tell the bikers that in Sturgis. Oh, man, if I come to hear you preach, God will strike me dead. God's not looking to kill sinners. The Bible says Christ came to save sinners. That's why Jesus came. That's the work of the church. Now, then there's going to come a change that's called the rapture. Rapture's nowhere, the word rapture is nowhere in the original language, the original Bible. That's right, genius, because the Bible wasn't written in English. But in, in, in Greek and Latin, it's harpazo and raptus, which means a catching away. And you read Revelation 1, 2, and 3. There's seven letters to the church. After that, is that Vern Craig? Did you come down from Maine? Or you? Wow. Good to see you, my friend. God bless you. I just was making sure I wasn't hallucinating from lack of sleep. Same people I used to know 15 years ago. Back when my credit score was about 15, he made sure I was able to buy a Toyota Camry and keep traveling and preaching. He worked for Down East Toyota in Maine and uh, probably illegally hooked me up with a car. Amen. So give my friend Vern a nice hand clap for helping me out. Praise God. It's going to be an awesome night. So you read Revelation, turn there with me. Revelation chapter three. You need to know what time you're living in. There's a reason why this church is packed right now. 
has nothing to do with me or a Facebook marketing campaign. I was telling a lady um, that I know, she, we had talked this week, and then she went to Florida, and she said, I took an Uber from the airport, and the driver brought up to me that he, him and his wife are 32 and 34 years old, and they've been out of church for years, and they're looking for a church. That was her car. He brought it up. He, she's not a minister or anything. And, and I said, this is something that God's doing all over the world. Can you say amen? amen. In fact, so you don't think it's after the fact, December 31st, New Year's Eve, this is what the Lord laid on my heart, and I prophesied what, got, what was going to happen in 2023. So you, just so you know, this is not after the fact. Uh, go ahead and roll that so everybody can see it quickly. Number five. This one is the most difficult to articulate what I know in my spirit. The ministers of the 1950s healing revival said it was like healing was... I was wearing a tuxedo then because I also have a part-time job hosting at uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I couldn't get the night off. Go ahead, play the rest. In the air, quote, there was a breakthrough in the spirit realm that made signs and wonders flow with ease. We are entering into that again. The works of God will flow outside the meetings themselves. They'll affect those. Oh, those lights just came on? Were these lights on the whole time? What is that? I'm like, I've Jesus never been big on attention me. span. Did I say something wrong? Signs and wonders flow with ease. We're entering into that again. The works of God will flow outside the... Listen to this. The works of God will flow outside the meetings themselves. They'll affect those near the building and others not present in the auditorium. An unclean principality in America has been driven out. Now the move of God will have free course. You'll hear of great meetings in different parts of the nation, the kind that change a state. A red wave is coming to America, but it's not a conservative political wave. It's a wave of the red blood of Jesus to heal our land. Go ahead, give the Lord a great, that's a fact. That's what, that's what we're in right now. I want you to close your eyes and put your right hand on your belly and say this. Father, give me eyes in the Spirit to see what is to come. You don't have to live reactionary. You can know what's coming. That's December 31st of this year. I knew that 2020 through 2022 was an attack of the enemy to collapse the United States. If you remember the original predictions, every hospital was supposed to be full by the month of May in 2020. One, uh, one out of every three properties were supposed to be up for lease. The economy, uh, the Dow Jones had dropped from 32,000 to 19,000, and they said it was going to go to 9,000. It was an attempt to collapse this nation, but the, God does not run on the devil's clock. The devil runs on God's clock. And if you study history, Satan has always been trying to do what he's finally going to get the chance to do in the tribulation ahead of time. That's what Adolf Hitler was all about. It was a demonically raised up one world leader to take over the world, kill the Jewish people, but it's not time for that. It will be soon, but it's not. It's why all this push with Ukraine and Russia. As much as people want it to go to World War III, it won't right now because it's not time for that. It's actually time for the gospel to be preached. Now, if you've been coming, how many of you have been to two meetings or more or watched online even two? So you've seen. How do you get 24.8 acres of property? How do you have somebody turn down 
a multi-million dollar offer from a hotel development company so they can give it to a church. That's a, and, then, and then the building we were in before that donated. You know, it's almost like God's up in heaven saying, you people don't have time to have a 25-year capital campaign and have spaghetti dinners for $5 a plate to raise the money. This is the last breath of God going out over the whole earth so that those that are lost and dying and on drugs and discouraged, God's not finished with you yet. God's hand is moving to heal this nation and he's going to heal you and your family tonight in Jesus' name. Now, if you study it, I'll save you a four-year Bible education. Revelation 1 Jesus appears to the Apostle John and says, write, these, write this down and send it to the seven churches. And you can study it out. Though he wrote it to seven literal churches, it goes in order of what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with from 34 AD when the church was, lost, was launched until now. Seven distinct church ages. And, and I, I won't go into that, but I'm not making this up. This is not something I came up with. You could study this back in the 1800s. That it's a prediction. And you'll see it because I'm going to read the seventh one to you. And watch how accurately it describes the American church, Canadian church, European, Western church. It's Jesus give, giving a word, not just to that church, but to this church age. The final church age. Revelation 3. And, and even before I read that. When was the church launched? About 34 AD, right? That's why everybody got messed up with Y2K. Well, 2000, that'll be 2000 years since the birth of Christ. Because there is something in the Bible where it's about exactly 2000 years from Adam till Abraham. Exactly 2000 years from Abraham to Christ. And you see all those scriptures about two days and then the third day will be the Lord's day. So you have those two sets of 2000 years and people say, well, Y2K, it's going to be 2,000 years since the birth of Christ. But it wasn't Christ's birth that changed the time period. It was his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and seating, and the birth of the church. That's why this is not called Christ's birth age. It's called the church age. Because everything Christ did was to, was to build the church. I am the head, you are the body. That, that's the most important thing on earth is the church. That's why Jesus said, I will build. Not I'll get, listen to this now. Not I'll give my church power to survive in the last days. I mean, no, God's, God's going to keep us safe. No, that's not what he said. He will keep you safe. But the job isn't to stay safe and weld yourself in your house and put two faith over fear masks on and try to live. I, he didn't say, I'll help my church survive. He said, I will build my church. I will multiply them and they shall not be few. In fact, if you read those scriptures, I think it's Jeremiah 30, 17, could be off. But it says, the voice of joy, singing of joy, and the voice of those that make melody will be heard there. If you were here last night, that's what we had last night. Joy in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of grief and pain. God's going to keep his church full of joy. And he said, I will multiply them. Not I'll help them grow. I will what is this meeting? This meeting is a multiplication. I mean, it's been 10 days. That sounds like a long time. It's not. Acts 19. Paul preached, and then there was a split in the meeting. And then the Bible says, 
Paul preached for two years every day from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. And then there was a, a, a dramatic explosion in the city where everybody took their witchcraft books and idols and burnt them in a public bonfire and they turned to the Lord. And so uh, that, that, that's Christianity. I have, a, I have a news clipping that somebody gave me 12 years ago. When Adolphus and I had our first breakthrough, our first meeting that went 21 days. We had never had any meetings extended like this. And somebody heard me talking about T.L. Osborne, and they brought me a, a press clipping from the Harrisburg newspaper from the 1950s. I have it framed in my house somewhere. And it, it had T.L. Osborne's announced service schedule for when he came to Harrisburg in the 50s. If I remember correctly, it was September 27th to October 21st, every day, 10.30 in the morning, or 10 in the morning, 2.30 p.m. and 7.30 at night. And they took Mondays off. So that's the advertised length of the meeting was four weeks. You know, somewhere down the line, this kind of meeting that was standard in the 70s and 80s, because what's happening now happened in the 70s. That's how my mother got saved, where people just had a turning in their heart to God. And you had college students getting saved and high school students getting saved. This is God doing that again for this generation even stronger. Hallelujah. And somehow, these kind of meetings, one and two week and three week meetings, four, five, you know Rodney Howard Brown that I keep bringing up because he ordained me into the ministry? He was in Lakeland, Florida at a church. And it went, I think, for seven weeks. They were having 8,000 at night and 4,000 in the day on work days in Florida. It was on CNN. One pastor that was in that meeting, who's not a flake, he told me, when church would let out, you know, at one in the morning, like, like last night, there were still people rolling around here two hours after I left. But evangelist, no, I was gone, brother. Don't blame me, blame the Holy Ghost. So one pastor told me, he said, I was in those meetings. I heard you bring it up. He said, when that church would let out at one in the morning, the only places open, this is the early 90s, were Waffle House, IHOP, that's it. So he said they'd be packed all around the church. He said, so me and the people I was with drove 40 minutes away from the church to go to an IHOP. And he said, when we walked in, all the waitresses were on the floor speaking in tongues. That the glory of that meeting had gone out and shook all of Florida. Listen to me. These kind of meetings that you're in tonight, they're going to be par for the course up until Jesus comes back. He's not coming back for a weak, defeated, broken church. He's coming back for a glorious church. Without spot or wrinkle, I'm a part of that church. You're a part of that church. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are still to come. If you believe it, somebody shout amen like thunder. So, evangelists, evangelists, this used to be, an evangelist is not a guest speaker. He's not somebody to give the pastor a, a Wednesday night off. You hear these, I see him on Instagram. You know, I'm an evangelist. We're believing for a revival. I'm speaking this coming April. April the 7th, 10 a.m. in Indiana. April the 15th, Wednesday night, 6 p.m. in Kentucky, one night. There's no one night revivals. You're a guest speaker. And then they did away with revivals and changed it to conferences. 
Six speakers in six nights. You can't. Fine if you want to do that. But you're not going to have a revival because you got, you know, it'd be one thing if all six speakers showed up and stayed through everybody's meetings, but they don't. They fly in for their night. They haven't heard anything the person said. You can come on Monday night and hear somebody preach on healing. And Tuesday night they preach against healing. So you end up with six people in a canoe, all with their own oar in the water, rowing in their own direction. And if you've ever been on a, in a creek or a lake, you know how that goes. But, but that's not how, that's not what you see in the book of Acts. They'd go out in two-man teams, and they'd preach, and they'd stay there. And they'd build it and teach. My wife that's sitting here, how she stayed with me, I don't know. Because she was with me. One of the first places we saw a breakthrough. I'm telling you what revival is. You can read in Acts 19. You stay, and then it starts to build. There's an explosion. God does something in the meeting that causes it because he said, it's his word. I will, not I'll try to build my church, I will build my church. It's the thing God spoke to me. Uh, New Year's Eve 2020 going into 2021. Jonathan, build me a strong church in this city. Not build a church, build a strong church. And I said, okay, we, we got to work on it. Because I'm not doing my own thing. There's a flow of the Holy Ghost. And if you get in God's end time prophetic flow, you won't have an uphill climb. The Bible says, I will set you on high above all the nations of the world. I see you being set on high above all the nations of the world, whether the devil likes it or not. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. So, you know, what's revival? I had a guy invite me to his church. There's about 36 people on Sunday morning. And I said, I wanted to, this wasn't in my notes. I'd never been there. I didn't know anybody. I barely knew the pastor who invited me. And Adonis was there. It was the first, first couple months we were married. So I said, I, 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 I was, was a little different back then, more formal. I was still trying to like be universally accepted. So I said, I'm going to read a text. I said, let's all stand for the reading of, of God's word. And I looked down to read it. And when I looked back up, about a third of the crowd, I'm glad I got my wife in the front row so you know I'm not exaggerating. About a third of the crowd had stood up with their Bibles. And two-thirds of the crowd were, were not only seated, they had their arms crossed glaring at me. I thought, okay, well, I don't want to get in trouble like Joe Biden did where you have like a bunch of people in wheelchairs and don't see me. No, stand up. And then end up on a viral video. So I thought, I'll give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're deaf. Maybe they have injuries. I was, I'm being serious. I'll give, so I said, once again, now remember, I'm 27, 26 maybe. I said, now everybody that's physically able, I want you to stand for the reading of God's word. And no, one person move. And they had this hillbilly look. And my family's from West Virginia. I'm not knocking hillbillies. But they had, I could tell in their spirit, they had this thing. I'll, I'll do what I want to do, and no preacher's going to tell me what to do. I could feel it in my spirit. And you can ask my wife. I said, now you listen. I said, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Now you can either stand up voluntarily. No, actually, I said something before that. He said, you guys are the ugliest bunch of people I've ever met. I've been traveling now for however many years, and you guys are the ugliest bunch of people I ever did see. So that at least got their eyebrows to stand up. And then I said, now listen. And you look at me now, I'm not going to intimidate anybody. I was like 25 pounds lighter then. 
no muscle. Just raw insanity. But it was coming up out of my spirit. I said, I said, now you can either stand up on your own or I'll come down off the platform and grab you under the armpits and physically stand you up. But I promise you, you're going to stand up. And I'm telling you, I watched them go like this. Like, who is this psycho in a JCPenney suit that they loosed in our church? Now, that was coming right out of my belly. And my head the whole time's going, okay, you're finished. No one knows you. This guy was probably half unsure about having you as a speaker. So I finish. People get saved. And then I'm ready for the pastor to come up and go, now listen, we're going to go in another direction this week. But he didn't. He came up to me with the biggest smile. And he went, man, I enjoyed this morning. So I'm thinking, well, because people got saved, he must have forgot about the beginning part. But he went, I said, oh, yeah? He went, yeah. That was great when you told all the people that if they didn't stand up, you were going you to pick them up and throw them out. I said, you like that? Well, guess what I found out? That church had had six pastors in five years. The board would vote the pastor out every year, and that's what I was picking up on. So what happens? Guest speakers come. They've got their same message that they preached at the last church, but this kind of stuff's different. This is you. Like what happened this week, Friday? You start picking up things in your spirit. Here it's not an, op uh, an obstinate crowd. We've had the opposite. But as I'm preaching, it pops up in my spirit that there's a fentanyl supply line coming through here and God wants it choked out. So bind it. And we bound it Friday and a U-Haul full of fentanyl was seized that night. So you come. You come and release something. You come and release something that's like Holy Ghost dynamite to take what the devil's planted and blow it out. I see everything the devil has planted in your life getting blown out of your life before midnight tonight in Jesus' name. If you receive that, go ahead and celebrate ahead of time. You're not going to finish like you started. You're going to finish on top, and the devil's going to have to watch God exalt you. Revelation 3. So here's the seventh church age, which is the one we're in right now. Listen to what Jesus has to say. It's all in red. Revelation 3.15. I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. Everybody say, neither hot nor cold. Could you come up with a better description of the modern church than neither hot nor cold? They haven't rejected the Holy Ghost, but they're also not too keen on the Holy Ghost. They're just in the middle. Why halt ye between two opinions? I would that you have enough of the world so that they're not hot and enough of the church so they're not ice cold. And Jesus said, tell this final church age, I don't want you to be lukewarm. I wish you'd pick one. Either be hot or cold. For if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Basically, American church and Canada's worse. There's plenty of people watching from Canada and Europe's worse. It's basically built... For lukewarm Christians. You know, people don't like to come to church if the parking lot's more than 65% full. And if the crowd's more than 70% full and they have to look for a seat, they won't keep coming back. Okay, how come those rules only apply to church? How come everybody's fine with going to a packed out stadium for a game and parking two miles down the road and paying $80 per car and walk through the snow? 
I told you where I live in Pittsburgh, almost every church canceled around Christmas and New Year's Eve because it was uh, 20 degrees, or 16 degrees, no snow. I was out, I was out. There was no snow, no precipitation, but it was 16 degrees and, and churches, big churches, all, almost all churches, out of an abundance of caution, we want to cancel uh, and you can enjoy at home because it's very cold out. Yeah, it's called winter. We're not in Puerto Rico. It gets cold. What do you want to cancel church every, every winter? And furthermore, are people walking to church? Are they riding on horseback? You have, you know, I don't know about you, my car, we have a driveway, but our driveway's full of things. So we have the cars out in the driveway. So I have about a 17, 20 second walk in that weather to my car. And then you park and you might have a 25 second walk into church if you got a bad parking spot. So, so what, people are gonna die? If it's minus 20, you wouldn't die in that. And I preached in, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan in February when it was minus 35. It actually warmed up to 30 and me and Kofi weren't wearing jackets because it was still only 30 degrees, but it was a 65 degree swing. I, I, I realized why Canadians are out in like flip flops and shorts throwing Frisbee when it's like 10 out because it's an upgrade. You're not going to die. You're basically, so then they cancel church. We didn't cancel church because I refuse. I've told my church, we had a bunch of problems with parking and different people in the city that didn't like our church, tried to make it where our people couldn't have any room to park. And so when it was cold, it'd be like nine degrees. We had, people had to park about a mile and a half away and get shuttled. They'd have to wait in line for the shuttle, older people. And it was ticking me off. But one Sunday I felt, not to make an excuse, but I felt like the Lord was having, was allowing that in the infancy of our church to weed out the bums. And then look what you have, where you give an announcement now that our Wednesday night church is canceled and you're going to take a bus down, but you have to charter three buses because you don't cater church for lukewarm or for cold. Blessed are they that are hungry. And I'm glad I'm preaching tonight to hungry people in West Virginia. Amen. So I, I go home from those, the, the, that night when church is all canceled. And the Steelers were playing that night. And people aren't sitting indoors. They don't have a dome in Pittsburgh. It's outdoors. People sat there for four churches indoors. Out of an abundance of caution, it's very cold. Do you not have a roof? I was thinking today, I don't, I don't know if I, I'm going to, I'm just thinking about it. But when I was preparing, I was thinking about taking our church people overseas to do, pre, because you, you, there's certain places you go and see what people have to put up with for being a Christian, and it takes all the spinelessness out of you. It causes your spirit man to develop testicles. I tried to go with spine first, but I didn't get a reaction. Now, now I feel like you got it. If you'd have got with me on the first one, I'd have... You see a guy that's missing a leg because policemen beat it with clubs till it was emulsified because they found out he's a Christian and told him to quit preaching and he wouldn't quit preaching. It takes the, it's only, it's 20 degrees out, we're going to can't, it takes it out of you. And I've said this these two weeks, there's nothing wrong with utilizing air conditioning and coffee and, and, and all the best of everything. We do that. But you can't ever allow the comforts of America to turn you into a spineless American Christian. 
And one of the things God's doing in this revival, what revival does is it relights a fire in people whose fire had begun to wane. I prophesy in Jesus' name, your fire will never go out. The fire must never go out. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. Listen to this message to the modern church. I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you, buy gold from me. Gold that's been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me. So you'll not be ashamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. I can, everybody say ointment. ointment. For my eyes. My so I can see. Yeah, so you can see in the spirit, not get led around by television. You, you can, I can pull the video up. When they, when they said on CNN, the whole Ukraine thing in every church, pray for Ukraine. I came out up on Sunday, I said, I'm for Ukrainian people. I'm on television in Ukraine. I know my, I, one of my best friends in Pittsburgh is Ukrainian. But I'm not having my sermons dictated by hashtags on Instagram. I'm not doing Black Lives Matter for four weeks because they told me to post a black square. I'm not being led by the Hallmark calendar. The Holy Ghost doesn't care that it's Father's Day sometimes. <laughs> or Mother's Day. Can you say amen? amen? And black lives do matter, but Black Lives Matter is a communist group that doesn't give a, a crap about black people. Founded by two open witches. None of the money got to any black people. So you're not, so, so, you know, I'm not going to do when the same people that told me to shut church down now tell me to get on Ukraine. So I'm going to take a second look at it. Well, what do you find out now? Zelensky's having pastors arrested. He's a complete totalitarian dictator. You say, oh, so you support Putin? Sometimes there's not, you know, sorry you watch so many movies that everything's a good guy and a bad guy. Sometimes there's two bad guys. And I'm actually not saying Putin's a bad guy. I'm just saying I'm not having the television tell me who I can root for and to shut my church down and turn it into a vaccination center. The world does not have dominion over the church. The church must maintain its dominion over the world. Yeah, and, and, and the church has to not allow the world to use them to get their agendas out. Yeah, they want, the, they want us to use the goodwill we've developed with people so that they could get, trick everybody into allowing $100 billion to get funneled to Ukraine. That doesn't make it to the people. It's a giant money laundering scheme. You know that derailment in East Palestine, Ohio? How has no one come there and done anything? You know what? I tweeted it. I said the residents of East Palestine, Ohio should either give the Biden administration a way to launder money there or be quiet. Because they're only going to come where they can make money. That's not against Biden. That's the whole thing. Lindsey Graham, that's why they hated Trump. Well, let's see if we can get a few seats freed up. I'm not here promoting Trump, but the reason they hate him it's not. It's because he messed up their whole money laundering system. 
This Ukraine war was supposed to hit in 2016. And a giant orange man with blonde hair messed it all up. He said, we're not going to have war. And it messed up their scheme because they're looking to take your tax dollars, launder it through Ukraine, and have it come back through second channels to them. But I'm going to tell you something. God is tired of seeing the American people oppressed. And God is going to do a work beginning this year to bring his blessing to West Virginia families, Pennsylvania families, Ohio families. The devil will not write the last chapter of the United States. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ will write the final chapter. If you're a part of that church, let the devil hear that he's got some serious opposition. Hey, I hear the sound of the armies of the Lord. Can you say amen? If CNN tells me to like you, I already don't like you. Can you say amen? Russia's an evil country. Oh, is it? You've been there? Sorry you watched Rocky too many times. I know they mistreated Rambo, but I've forgiven them. Revelation 3. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that's been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me. Everybody say purity. Purity. Yeah, when you have a worship leader, you know there's a worship leader that's very famous. And somebody came to me because we were going to have a big concert. They said, do you want to use this singer from this certain group? He's, he's very famous. And just when I saw... I just didn't, it didn't hit me right in my spirit. I said, no. They said, why not? I said, because I just don't, I don't like how I feel when I heard his name. And then he, a couple weeks later, takes a picture of his no-nos and puts puts it on Instagram accidentally. Accidentally uploads it to Instagram. So I'm guessing he's also on drugs because that's a tough thing to do sober. Hold on, before bed, let me just snap a picture of my no-nos, upload it to my Instagram story, and then I'll conk out for the night. So look what Jesus said a problem is with the end-time church, that you're not pure. Now, in the old days, if you did something like that, it's over. You're not going to be in the ministry anymore. That guy took a three-week break, and he's back on tour singing, and people are buying tickets like idiots. So there's another thing he said. I wish you'd be pure. I wish you'd buy garments, white garments for me. You can't live like the world and make heaven. You can't allow the devil to defile your body. You have to allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse you and then walk in purity and holiness. Can you say amen? I forgot I was in West Virginia. I was trying to open up seats and say something about Trump. More people came. I'll have to start making some pro-Hillary comments. See, even in the analogy, the crowd's turning on me. Everybody say purity. purity. White garments. The Bible, no, nobody with soiled garments is, is going up in the rapture. When that trumpet sounds, the Bible says it's going to sound in the twinkling of an eye. It's not going to be enough time to kick your living girlfriend out of bed and go to an altar. It's not time to... 
There's not enough time to put a bottle of Jose Cuervo down or Jack Daniels or, or Schlitz or whatever, your old Milwaukee if you ha- need a financial breakthrough. <laughs> whatever, whatever you're drinking. You can't get ready. You have to be ready all the time. Can you say amen? This is his admonition to our church age. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Leave that up there. See that I word at the end, indifference? If you were were going to sum up our generation of church in one word, it would be indifferent. I'm thinking about going into the ministry, but... I have to see because I just bought a car and I have car payments. So they're not cold. They're not hot. They're like indifferent. Indifference is the opposite of passionate. And the thing that breaks indifference is the baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire. Because Peter, look at Peter before the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He was the most indifferent. Jesus, don't quit saying you're going to go to Jerusalem and die. You know, he, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never leave you. And then he runs and denies Christ three times. But then after he gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, he goes somebody that, from somebody who denied Christ to children at a campfire. So the Bible says there was a multitude, Acts chapter 2, that there was a multitude, at least where they're all from, who were hearing the loud noise. And they wondered, what could this mean? In the King James, what meaneth this? No one said, Peter, what do you think? They were, and then others began to mock. They're just drunk, that's all. Who stepped forward and preached? Who? Peter. Peter denied. How do you go if you go four, four pages back? Peter's denying Christ to young people and cursing at them. I don't know who he is. And then, now there's a mob of men that have legal permission to kill him. But he got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And he stepped forward and said, ye men of Jerusalem, listen to me. Some of you people are saying these people are drunk, but it's not true. People don't get drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. Peter had never been to Cincinnati. (laughs) No, what you're seeing today was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Then he preaches a chapter-long sermon with no notes, with exact quotations of Scripture. And it goes from them mocking to the Bible says they were pierced in their hearts and said, brethren, what should we do? Peter said, each of you must repent. Everybody say repent. Repent. What must we do? Peter said, well, just try to attend church when you get. Each of you must repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. Then you will receive this promise of the Holy Ghost. He included. This is going to be a great night. You're going to leave here with fire on your head. The devil is going to know that he lost you for good. You're going to spend the rest of your life tormenting him. There's many, many people that are going to have the same story as Peter tonight. You, you used to struggle. You knew the right thing to do. Like Peter, when he was next to Jesus. I'll never leave. I'll, I'll go to the cross with you. But then when he got out of the anointing, he couldn't make good on what he said he was going to do at the altar. But that's going to leave your life permanently. Indifference is going to get burnt out by the fire of the Holy Ghost. That's what—that's the difference, man. When you get the fire of God, he will baptize you. Turn to Luke, Luke chapter 3. Luke 3, 16. Might, might start at 15.
Luke 3. 15. Luke, the third chapter in the 15th verse. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is mightier than I, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. Just like I baptize you in water, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. What's the fire part? The fire part's what you see. Yeah, there's tongues. There's the gifts of the Spirit. But the fire is the answer to indifference. Well, if somebody finds out at school that I go to um, Rock Church, then they, you know, they don't like that. Yeah, you, you're indifferent. You're worried about people's opinions. When you, how do you go? Listen now. How do you go from Peter denying Christ the girls at the campfire to getting called in to, to district court? Like the equivalent of getting called into district court in Pakistan. And them say, we order you to preach and teach no more in the name of Jesus. And what did Peter say? Okay, you got it. Listen, I'm sorry. I understand Romans 13 isn't written yet, but soon it will be. <laughs> Sirs, do you think we would, listen, the same guy that cursed at little girls. Now he's baptizing the Holy Ghost in fire. Sirs, do you think that we would rather obey you than obey God? Let us plainly state we would obey God rather than man. And they let them go and were amazed at their boldness. For though they had no education, they could tell that they were men who had been with Jesus. Not knew about Jesus. Been with Jesus. I remember growing up in church, they'd have guest speakers through. A lot of them knew about Jesus. They'd talk about him like, like you know about George Washington. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I've actually been there. It's a, located about uh, 40 kilometers from Jerusalem. It's a small town. It's arid this time of year. So though it's cold here, there it would be warm. The sea has salt in the air because it's close to the Dead Sea. And it was just like, like you were hearing, you know, it's almost like going to, to, a, to a theater to see a good show. Even if it's a good show, you might talk about it a little bit on the way back and what you learned or you like this part. Then it's back to life. But the, the, the theater show doesn't affect your life the next six days. But then every once in a while, they'd have somebody come to our church to preach. And I was like, that guy doesn't know about Jesus. That guy knows Jesus. When they first took the mic, they would just say, well, praise the Lord. And you'd feel the whole atmosphere change. And I remember asking my father after the Lord called me to preach. There had this one guy speak. He stunk. He was no good. I said, Dad, how do I make sure I don't be like him? Because he's a good guy. He has suits. He has a Bible. He has a ministry just like you. How come when you, when you speak, it's good? And how come when he speaks, I contemplate changing religions? <laughs> and he, my dad would talk to me about a few things. Fasting and prayer. The crucifixion of the flesh. Because, the, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to teach on fasting and prayer. But then the, the prayer part. He that prays in an unknown tongue. Speaks mysteries unto man. Boy, the Lord has me on the Holy Ghost tonight. I won't even take a show of hands. How many of you, you like being in Holy Ghost services, but you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues? You need that. It'll change you. It puts a fire in you. Now, I'm a, 
The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, in the last days, they will have, men will have a form of godliness, but reject the power, have nothing to do with people like that. That's Paul talking. Have nothing to do with people that have a form of godliness, but reject the power. Not that you curse them, not that you write mean things about them on Facebook, but there's some people, I can't minister. I've had invitations. Hey, I watched you preach and saw that big crowd you had in West Virginia. We'd like you to come to our church. The only thing is, we have some board members. They don't like people falling under the power. And they've got some questions and difficulties with tongues. So if you could kind of lay off of that. I can't lay off of it. That'd be like somebody telling me, I want you to come to dinner, but don't bring that wife of yours. I don't like, I'm hooked up with Jesus and I'm hooked up with the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't want less of God's power. I want more, more of the Holy Ghost. And I'm glad I found my family down here. Bunch of people that are happy to be in church 10 nights and get called one of them. That place is a cult. That place, yeah, you don't care. I don't care what the world thinks. I'm drunk on the word of God. I want everything that God has for me the same way I didn't care when I was in the world. I don't care now that I'm in the right path. The Holy Ghost and fire. Don't leave out the fire part. It's more than tongues. Tongues is the initial physical evidence of the Holy Ghost. But there's a fire. Because there's a lot of people that speak in tongues. They don't have any fire. There's no fire. I'm not saying you got to shout like me and sweat like me. But when it comes, push to shove. I mean, I'm not doing this as a stage show. Our administrator, Patrick's over there. You'd ask him. When we've been pushed in the ministry or threatened or a state rep tell, you're not, gonna, you're not allowed to... Do you have the Newark video? Let me just show you the, what I'm talking about. I haven't faced what people have faced in Pakistan. It's illegal. You can't. We need to be ready to suffer like Paul was. Paul only suffered the way he did when it was legal. When they tied him to a post and got ready to beat his back and it wasn't legal. He said, is it legal to, to whip a Roman citizen without, without trial? And they said, oh, we didn't know you were a Roman citizen. Be careful what you're going to do. So you don't just let people beat you. Why do you not smoke, even though the Bible doesn't say anything about not smoking cigarettes? Because you're supposed to honor the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you don't smoke, and you don't let people come break your bones. Can you say amen? Well, the Bible says turn the other cheek. Yeah, and you only have four cheeks, and you've turned them all. There's always one person that makes me laugh way too hard. He's talking about bums. I got it. <laughs> you have Newark? Now, I'm showing you this because it's going to tie into the main thing I'm going to get across to you before I pray. That people misread the plan of God. They think if you're in the plan of God, there, there's no problems and no opposition. Paul said, there is set before me a wide door of opportunity, but there's many adversaries. But you have dominion over the adversaries. So what do you do when there's opposition? Is that you from Maui? Yes, sir. When'd you come in? Man, I thought somebody slipped something in one of my <laughs> beverages today. You flew here? Where's your mother? Somewhere. You, you ditched her. <laughs> you ditched her for some random lady.
How old are you now? 17 years old. How old were you when we met? 13? like 15, somewhere else. Yeah, he told me, I want to do what you're doing. I said, then start doing it now. Don't wait till you get out of school. He started holding crusades at his public high school in Hawaii. Didn't, didn't you speak at a church this week? What night? Sunday night. Spoke, spoke at a church this Sunday night in Maui. Lined everybody up and laid hands on them. Well, we had a couple drive here from Minnesota 15 hours, but your record just got shattered. Maui's halfway between California and Japan, basically. Fire. Get on fire. Don't ever let anybody put your fire out. And he could tell you when he got on fire, other than me, I don't know that there were any other Christians. Well, no, you know, now remember, you're 15, you know, finish school. I'm not saying you have to not finish school. But when you get on fire, start running with the fire. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus was coming in four years, I'm not saying he's coming in four years. I'm not saying you have four years. Remember I brought up that thing about the, the church being birthed? 20, uh, 33, 34 A.D.? 20, 20, 20, 33, 20, 34, that'll be the 2,000 year mark. Isn't it interesting that even the devil has agenda 2030 yep. to make sure all yep. the framework yep. for what the book of Revelation said is going to happen is in place by the time that comes to an end. But we're not in that time yet. We're in the hour of the church. It's not time to hide from the devil. It's time to make the devil hide and flee in terror. The Bible says, resist. Listen now. The Bible says, resist. Somebody say resist. Resist. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee. And in the Amplified in brackets it says, flee is in terror from you. Amen. You have authority over the devil. Brother Jonathan, I think there's a demon in my room. Go, go, go talk to it. I said, no, don't leave... Lester Summerall was in the Philippines, had a mighty deliverance at a women's prison that basically opened the whole country up to the gospel. He went home that night and went to sleep, and he said there was a loud, evil noise in his room, and the two spirits he had delivered from the, uh, that girl, Clarita Villanueva. You can read it. It's a book. I don't know if it's still on Amazon. I don't even think it's in print. People all let the good books go out of print. People do a great job stewarding people's ministries. Yeah. All Brother Shambach's books out of print. Nothing uploaded on the internet. Great job, everybody. Bunch of lazy salary collectors. Anyway, just wanted to say some uplifting things before we get into the, the prayer part of the service. So, he cast these devils out of this girl, Clarita Villanueva, who was, you know, when you hear all these people talk about tearing down principalities, if you read the book of Acts, a principality spirit is in somebody. And when you set that person free, it opens that region up to the gospel. Paul wasn't on mountains with acoustic guitars tearing down strongholds. He was casting devils out of people. I'll give you one. My friend, uh, and he might be here because everybody I remember is sitting here somehow. It's like a retirement party. Stay up with me, I like you. Don't get the joy this early in the meeting. There's more to say. So... My friend Ed Vargas, 
They got saved and then went down to Costa Rica. All right, you know what? Go sit down. God bless you. My friend Ed Vargas from Costa Rica went to go do meetings in, in Mexico. And when he's doing the meetings, in, or he went to go help a pastor in Mexico build the house. And the, the cartel, this is like two years ago. This isn't like old story. The cartel there had forbid any, any churches to be built in that city. So when they're building this pastor a nice house from America, you know they're sending money because he's got eight kids. They were living in a little house, building him a big house. The house was so big that this hitman, Sicario, from the, from the um, uh, cartel kept driving by and saying, this isn't a church, right? No, this is just for his house. Okay, so he keeps checking. Then he comes by the one time and he says to Ed, my, my friend, the Pastor Ed Vargas, come to my house, I need prayer. Well, you know, your first thought when a hitman says, come, come to my house, I need prayer, is he's, you know, I'm not, I'm not stupid. <laughs> hey, why don't we pray here out in the open? <laughs> and the Lord spoke to him to go, so he went. When he first came in the house, the first thing the hitman said was, I've asked several priests and pastors for prayer, and you're the first one that's been willing to come to my home. Well, that is the risk you run when you slaughter people. <laughs> you know, it's not all their fault. But why was Ed willing to go? Everybody say boldness. They were amazed at Peter. What did Peter have before he got filled with the Holy Ghost? Whatever the opposite of timid, timidity. Scared of what the girls might tell that he's a follower of Jesus and then get crucified too. But your timidity, what the, the devil has capitalized on for years. Afraid to buck with what your family, th the way your family thinks life should be lived. Afraid to get on fire for God. Nervous that you'll get hit by the power of God and fall on the floor. When you used to drink yourself till you fell on the floor and nobody in your family had a problem with it. But now that it's the new wine, they have something to say. You've got to get full of the fire of God and say, I don't care what men think. I care what God thinks in his word. So that, that hitman tells him he got in a fight with his wife and his wife left and said she's leaving for good and taking the kids and he doesn't know what to do. So Brother Ed said, let me pray, let me pray for you. He lays his hands on him and the second he lays hands on the, the hitman, the guy throws, throws himself on the ground and starts writhing like a snake. Full out demonic manifestation. Casts the devil out of him, picks him back up to his feet, leads him to the Lord and he tells him what happened when the demon manifested. He said, when I, when I went out, he said, I saw a vision. On one side was Satan, and he looked very angry. And on the other side was Jesus. And he was smiling at me kindly. And Satan spoke first. He said, I've given you everything you've wanted. This guy has homes all over Mexico, huge homes. I've given you everything you wanted. Homes, women, cash, cars, everything. What else do you want? And when he finished, when Satan finished saying that, Jesus went, looked at him and said, I died for you. And he said, when Jesus said that, I reached my hand out to him. And that's when he came out of the, out of the thing when the, when the devil left. So now he goes from opposing the church to paying for a church to be built so that the pastor can have a church in that city. That's called breaking a principality. I'm telling you. 
I'm telling you another thing that fire does is instead of you being afraid of demon spirits, the devil starts checking under his bed for you before he goes to sleep at night. Greater is he, greater is he, greater is he that lives in you. The devil's in trouble tonight. This is gonna have an effect in Pennsylvania, in West Virginia, in Ohio, in Kentucky. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Say it right out loud with me. The Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. One more time. The Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. I hear angels singing. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. Now, I don't think I've prayed for Pastor Dave the whole... I don't pray for the pastor. But I, I, I feel to right now. I want you to stand up, brother. Now, I tell you this. I tell you this directly from the Lord. There's an infusion of supernatural energy coming into your body right now. You're going to have the most productive and fun 10-year run in the ministry that you've ever had. You're going to laugh in the face of the devil. You're going to build churches. You're going to see everything God's put in your spirit come to pass. And it'll be the easiest thing you've ever done. It'll be the easiest thing you've ever done. What a time to be alive. How wonderful to serve the Lord. <laughs> God turned that city around. One, one dealing with the devil. And the guy that said no churches gave money to build the church. Told my friend that anywhere you're in Mexico, any city you go to to preach, I probably have a house there. You can use it. Built the church with, with the drug money. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. There's no shortage of money. It's in the wrong hands. But money will change hands this year in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, I don't hear anybody in here. This is, this is the hour. This is the hour of the church. This is our time. I will multiply them. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. lift your hands all over this room. Jesus is here. He said, wherever two or three are gathered in my midst, I'm there. We have got more than three. He's here. He's here right now. And he's not here just to spend a little time with you. He's here to heal you. He's here to deliver you. He's here to lift you up. He's here to knock everything out of your life that the devil has spent years trying to plant in there. 
Praise the Lord. You can be comfortably seated. Keep your faith turned on. So Lester Summerall has those two demons come in his room over in the Philippines. And when they came in, it shook the room so violently that his bed moved out from the back wall. And so he sat up in bed and said, you foul spirits, leave now in Jesus' name. They both left. Now he's 58 years old. It's two something in the morning. Bed's cockeyed in the middle of the room. He didn't feel like getting out of bed and moving it back. So he bellowed out, wait a minute, get back in here. And they both came right back in and he said, put the bed back. And they put the bed back and left. That's dominion. That's what you have as a believer. And I'm telling you tonight, the devil's not only gonna have to leave you alone, he's gonna have to put back everything he moved and everything he took in Jesus' name. He's he's gotta give the years back that the canker were made. You're not finishing on bottom, you're finishing on top. Wow. This is your hour. This is your year. Who does the devil think he is? Let me pray for this lady in the blue. Step with both hands. Take your left hand down, put it on your your stomach. In that day, rivers of living water will flow out from within. That river will heal everything that's out of whack on the inside of you and it'll give you power. Receive it now, close both eyes. In Jesus' name, that's it, go right into you. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Lift your hands all over this room. Any fibroid tumor in the lower bodies of women, anything the devil's planted in you that wasn't planted there by God, any growth, any, any obstruction, any tear, anything they've been doing tests on trying to figure out what it is, in the name of Jesus, be healed. I command the healing power of God <laughs> that, that, that emanates from that blood that was shed on Calvary. I see a crimson stream of blood that flows from Calvary. Its waves that reach the throne of God are flowing over you right now. Be healed. I command glaucoma, cataracts, any kind of obstruction in the vision. I command you to be healed. Quit talking about you're 55, 60, 62, whatever, and it's part of, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a scripture. The Bible says, as your days are, so shall your strength be. Any, any young woman that's here that they told you you'll never be able to have children because of something that happened, I tell you, the only problem you're going to have is not ha- uh, stopping having children. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. The devil doesn't have permission to write the last chapter of your life. You can make up your mind tonight to hook in with Jesus. Grab hold of him. Grab hold of his word. Then you and him together can chart out a course by faith. That's what me and that Puerto Rican chick in the front row have been doing the last 16 years. <laughs> Charting out a course. 
I'm not going to be low. I'm not going to struggle. I'm going to break through every barrier. I'm going to see breakthrough come in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Be seated one more time. Take your Bible. Take your Bible and turn with me to Acts, Acts 19. We've been having this revival. Somebody wrote me on social media. This is not revival. Revival is a personal thing. But then I looked and she had one follower. <laughs> so even her so social media posts are a personal thing. <laughs> no, you're going to read a, a word that follows Jesus around in the Gospels. It's called multitudes. The church is anointed to have multitudes. Now, I'm telling you, what you're seeing tonight is a picture, and I said it in the beginning, I'm going to say it again. The, the meetings like this, I don't care if my wife wants to hear it or not, I'm telling you. <laughs> meetings like this, it's a joke, she's using the restroom. <laughs> meetings like this are going to be par for the course before Jesus comes back. Yes. Parking lots jammed, yeah. buildings jammed. I'll even tell you what I've been saying for about 15 years. When was it? 2000, whenever the Steelers played the Packers in the Super Bowl, was that 2008? 10. I was in Vermont. We got a, somebody, a gambling addict there. <laughs> they were plus 140. I, uh, <laughs> I was preaching in Vermont and I, I wanted to see, back then I was real into the NFL. I played fantasy football and stuff. My wife played fantasy football with me. I finally talked her into doing it. She played one year. She's from Boston. She drafted Tom Brady and Randy Moss. Never lost the game the whole season, won the championship, and said, I don't know why you think this is such a big deal. It's easy. Never played again. So I wanted to see the Steelers play. So I told my wife, I said, you could, in this church I was preaching in, they were not the most lively church. And it's, the whole building probably seated 40 people. So this isn't exactly what you would call a good attitude. But I said to Adonis, I said, you can just wait in the car if you want. I said, I'm, these people don't want to be here. I preached here this morning. They don't like me. They don't seem to care much for Jesus either. <laughs> you know, some churches, you go tell them about souls being one stuff. You'd think you were giving the report at an Elks club. <laughs> they didn't care. So I said, I'm going to preach for about 12 or 15 minutes. Say a prayer over everybody. There's only 25, 30 people. I can pray for everybody. I said, I'll be back in the car in under 20 minutes. Well, whatever scripture I read kind of messed my plans up because I got caught up in the anointing. I ended up preaching for a long time. Like, I mean, I know it's hard for you to believe, but I did. <laughs> two, two and a half hours I preached. So I went back to the hotel. We were staying in White River Junction, Vermont, at the Holiday Inn Express. And Adonis went to sleep, and we had a little, like, junior suite. So I still felt, and I don't, I don't do this much. When I'm done, I'm done. But I still felt the anointing from the service. It was like it grew stronger as I drove home. So I went to the other room to not disturb my wife. And I'm not trying to make her sound like she's unspiritual. And she prays more than me. But this time she went to sleep. I went in the other room. And I was praying in tongues, just waiting for the anointing to lift. So I felt the Lord. And this was the first time that ever, this ever happened. I didn't, like you heard me prophesy what was going to happen this year. I never had that. But that night was the first time. I started feeling the Lord speak to me uh, about the future. So in the dark, I grabbed a Holiday Inn Express little notepad and pen they give you, and I wrote it in the dark, so it was like the sloppiest notes you'd ever see. But I wrote down what the Lord spoke to me. Now remember, this is 2010. So this was right when all the baseball stadiums 
It's like every city built a brand new baseball stadium. I think Oakland, and I might be leaving uh, Kansas maybe, there's very few cities that didn't build a brand new baseball stadium. Camden Yards, PNC Park, then they all built new hockey arenas, and most of the football stadiums built new stadiums. So the Lord speaks to me. Do you find it interesting that all the sports teams built new arenas? And I hadn't thought of it. Do you think that those arenas were built for those teams? Now, when the Lord said that, I remembered hearing something on ESPN radio where they were saying how they didn't even understand why some of the teams were building those stadiums because they didn't need the revenue from the tickets and it didn't make sense to spend the money. So I said, do you think those stadiums were built for those teams? Or do you think I used heathen money to build state-of-the-art uh, arenas and stadiums to house the crowds that will come to hear the gospel in the last hour of time? And then the Lord, that, that same night, the anointing kept getting stronger in that, in that side room. I preached out of those notes the rest of the year, how the Lord was going to, you know, you look like a complete, a complete fool. There's 32 people there. We're going we're gonna to fill stadiums. Right, yeah, why don't you try filling this church? It's got 40 seats, brother. <laughs> Say this out loud. Don't talk where you are. Talk where you're going. Faith calls those things that are not as though they are. And I'm just a small ministry. And you always will be because you have a stupid mouth. <laughs> we don't have much money in our ministry. And you never will because God doesn't like people who talk like you. Well, God like, no, oh yeah, I know, I know. God likes everybody the same regardless of how you talk. So if you believe that way, you're going to have to rip about two-thirds of your Bible out. There is, how many of the Israelites were supposed to take the promised land? There are 1.3 million. How many of them were supposed to go in? How many? How many of them went in? How many families? Why? The mouths. We are unable to possess the land. There's giants there. We're like grasshoppers. Grasshopper complex. My wife preaches this thing out of numbers. It's one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard. That how you see yourself is as important as how you see God. They saw God do all those miracles, but they said, we're like grasshoppers in God's sight. You can, you can think God is as big as you want, but if you see yourself who's hooked up with him as some loser that can't do what he said, you'll never taste the grapes of the promised land. But thank God this week, there's a substance coming in your spirit called faith that not only lets you know that God is great, that he's redeemed you, he's put his spirit in you, you're the sheep of his pasture, called by his name, and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Yeah, they talk it down. We can't do it. You know what's interesting? God told them about that promised land. He knew there were giants in there. God never mentioned giants one time. You know why? He doesn't care. He's the most high. God doesn't speak to you about opposition because it, there there's nothing. There's God, God, God is unmoved by any opposition. That's why he never mentions it. Just do what I tell you to do. Go right in. I'll take care of everything. God didn't tell Ed there now there's a Sicario there and he's threatening to kill anyone. He doesn't care. I'll have him build the church for you, actually. Not a, see, most preachers would have come there and repeat 
Most preachers repeat what the devil has to say. We can't build a big church here because um, the economy's bad. And um, the city council said that they've put a moratorium on any new church buildings. And yeah, and the devil's going behind you going, amen, keep talking. (laughs) Death and life are in the power of the? So unless the devil, God can't save you until he can get you to believe his word and speak it. According to Romans chapter 10. And the devil can't destroy you unless he gets you to believe his word and speak it. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So why isn't everyone stolen from, killed, and destroyed? How come the devil is going to come wipe everybody out? Because he can't. God needs you to cooperate with him, and the devil needs you, your words to cooperate with him. So he got ten spies to repeat his report. The Bible says their evil report of unbelief. Evil report of unbelief. The Bible says in the book of Romans, the sin of the world is their unbelief in me. Unbelief is the root of sin. When you have faith that Christ is coming soon, the Bible says all who have this faith will keep themselves pure. You don't need a lesson on adultery. You just won't. You'll live holy, concentrating on where your faith is. When you get in faith and start, it's like me. My faith's out right now. I'm doing the, in the natural. In the natural, I'm, I just fold it up. There's no way for me to do anything I'm doing in the natural. So my faith is out. Before God, there's not time for me to sin. When you get your faith out, that's why it irritates me. These people teach on faith, but they don't ever teach on holiness. First of all, yes, they do. Second of all, if your faith is out to take ground, there's no time. You're busy about the work of the Lord. And your life is ordered by seeing your faith come to pass. I tell every person in this building, the last backward step you ever took will be the last backward step you ever take. In Jesus' name. There is a reward coming into your life tonight for making God's house a priority. If you believe it, can you say, I receive it? it. Everybody say, my faith faith is not dormant. I've turned it loose. loose. Say, I have faith faith to possess my possessions. To to enter my promised land. land. That's what I was doing in Pennsylvania back then. That crowd sits on me? No. The Lord sent me here to have revival. I've in my spirit identified the problem, though I'm not clear on it yet. I'm not having you sit on me. Then whatever's going to happen, let's just throw down Sunday morning. Let's see what happens. And then we find the problem out. The, the, the church people didn't like pastors, wouldn't listen, wouldn't come under authority to a pastor. That pastor was too weak to do anything about it, so God sends help sometimes. And I broke it. Some of them didn't come back that night. Some of them need to not come back. A lot of times a revival will begin with a good toilet flush. Yeah. He, he's calling us turds. I'm calling you a turd. Yeah, some people need to go. And when I broke that in the spirit that morning, that was the problem there. Some churches you go to, the problem is that people have had disease and it's killed people and the devil's used it where now the pastor won't preach on faith or healing because if he does, everybody remember Sister Annette that everyone prayed for and she didn't get healed. So they've kind of shut up on that. That's why the devil comes to steal, kill, but he's not done it kill. After he's killed, destroy you got to be careful talking about that here because um, 
We don't preach healing in this city because there was a famous healing preacher who had a church here and then he committed adultery. So if you talk about healing, everyone thinks about him. No, they don't. That's you. You bought into the devil's lie. Everybody's not thinking about anything. I preached at places. There was a guy that had a scandal here 35 years ago. So we don't talk about that. Yeah, as if everybody's walking around thinking about what happened. There's people that aren't even 35 years old. Actually, anything the devil, I'll tell you, 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 can, you, can get, you can get in the will of God just as easy hearing the voice of God. And the second way is ascertaining what the devil's trying to do and do the opposite. Anything the devil's trying to get you to do, do the opposite twice. Then you say amen. I was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I alluded to this a couple nights ago. Adonis wasn't feeling good in the morning. Camila was very young. And I said, don't worry about it. Just stay in the hotel. We're going to be doing this for 60 years of Jesus Terry, 65 years together. So don't worry about the short term. Take a rest. NBD. I'll go preach. I come back in the afternoon. She didn't eat, I brought her food. She didn't eat any of it. Still in bed. She, I mean, it was like 2, 2.30, still sleeping. I said, I'm not feeling right. I said, no problem. I said, just stay and rest the whole day. You can rest the whole week for all I care. I come back Sunday night, had a good service, come back home. And I walk into like a weird thing. Camila's there in a diaper watching TV, smiling. But then Adonis is nowhere to be found. We're, you know, not like a huge Four Seasons hotel room. You could nowhere to be. I said, where's your mother? She's in the bathroom. So I, all right, she's in the restroom. I'm not going to bother you. Then some time goes by. Knock on the door, no answer. Then I open the door. She's completely passed out. White lips. She's slumped on the toilet. And her head's resting on the, the toilet paper, or she'd have fallen completely off. And then it turned out she had hemorrhaged 37% of her blood out into the toilet. Well, I grabbed her by, by the arms, and this is, you know, I'm not trying to make myself into some superhero. I told her, wake up, wake up in Jesus' name. I like, you know, I like her. It took me a long time to find her. I want her. I like her. I don't, I don't want another wife. I like this wife. So I know that's a very selfish motivation, but that's what I was thinking. Hey, wake up. And then she opens her eyes, and she went like very weakly, help me. So I prayed. I scooped her up off the toilet, laid her on her bed. I called her twin sister that's in the front row. There was a lady from Congo who's a mighty minister of the gospel, who lived in Harrisburg. Her name's Astrid Sony. I called her. And she came out and they prayed in the Holy Ghost all night. And then they took her back to Pittsburgh to get medical care. She was hanging between life and death. Well, what's, what's my first reaction? Well, I'm going to have to call the pastor, cancel the meeting. You know, this is obviously he'll understand. And then I thought, number one, I can't heal her. Me holding, me standing by her, holding her hand, looking concerned, will not facilitate her healing. And I told the Lord, and some of you heard me say this when I was here before, or, or earlier last week, that before I ever met Abdallah, before I ever had one, anything except a speech impediment and braces on my crooked legs, an angel came to my room and said, Jonathan, God has reserved you for this last period of time to be an evangelist. 
to call men and women that are now in darkness into the light, for soon it will be eternally too late. Do you understand? I said, yes, with my speech impediment, and the angel left, and I got my calling, which I'm, I'm making good on. So I told the Lord, I had an idea, rather than praying. I said, now, Father, you said in Matthew 6, that if I seek the advancement of your kingdom above all else, all the other things will be added unto me. And you, I made a deal with you in my bedroom in 1988. So if this was the devil's attempt to get me to quit, I'm going to preach. But I expect you to take care of my wife. Because I can't do it. So it sounds like some cold, unfeeling husband. But I told her, I said, I'm sending you back with Magalas and Astrid. Get better. I said, and I'm, I know if I was a proper husband, I'd go with. But I said... I, I'm going I'm to deal with this a different way. I, went, I had to preach three times the next morning. I went through that all, all night. I mean, the whole night. I hadn't slept. I was still in my suit from Sunday night. And I thought, what would the devil want me to do? He'd want me to cancel the meeting. I'm pastor. My wife just had an attack. And then if I don't cancel the meeting, come and just spread the depression around. Um, if I seem a little down this morning, I've been through the worst night of my life and you know, if y'all could keep me in prayer. And I thought, I, I made up my mind. Nobody's going to hear a word about this. I gave that thing to God. It's up to him. I'm not going to put anything on Facebook. Keep me in prayer. Let me tell you something. If I put it on Facebook and 180 people comment with prayer emojis, it doesn't get, get the job done. I know it makes you feel better. You let people know you're having a hard time. Please keep me in prayer. But people just put prayer emojis. Very few people log off the internet and fast for 40 days and pray in tongues till you're better. So you might as well just leave it with God. So I went there at 8 in the morning. And I said, to greet the crowd, here's Jonathan. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Say it with me. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The crowd said it. And then I made up my mind. Not only is the devil trying to cancel this meeting and he would want me to go home crying and post on Facebook. I bet you he also is trying to use this where I can't preach on healing. I'm not going to talk about that because right now I'm really troubled because I've been doing this. I mean, I've been doing this since 2001. How could the Lord help let this ha happen to me? I don't care. If, if, God is, if the devil's trying to back me off of healing, then I'm going to do the exact thing that he's trying to stop me from doing. So I said, praise the Lord, everybody. Say it with me. The Lord is good and, and his mercy endures forever. They all repeated it. And I said, now. I'm here through Friday. We're having healing and miracle meetings every night. I said, I'm going to preach and lay hands on the sick, bring them here. So I can't help my wife, but I'll tell you what I can do. If you touch my wife, I'll set a thousand of your people free all week long. And that night, you know, it's funny. It's funny when the when the when you when the Lord gives you a grace to do something, you don't even realize what you did till it was over. It's like like I was just in the autopilot, and I did that. That was that first crusade that I played for you on Philadelphia, where we were now going to go to to um, open air crusades in the United States and go to another level. That all ha that happened in April. My wife had that thing happen about a month and a half before that crusade. I'm not stupid. The Bible says we're not <laughs> we're not unaware of the devil's devices. Now, I'm not telling you you have to get attacked to go to the next level. I don't preach that crap. No pain, no gain doctrine. How I many know sometimes people want a big ministry, but they're not willing to put up with sickness? No. The shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the devil. 
None of that had to happen. I'm sure if I played my cards better, I'm sure I did something to open the door. I'll find out in heaven. I couldn't change what happened, but I can change my reaction going forward. And I'm preaching this because if you're seeing me up here in a suit and say, must be nice to be you, but I'm going through this. I'm telling you what it's like to find someone almost dead and that you don't have to allow what the devil meant to destroy you to destroy you. You can come up stronger and put it in his head. When the enemy attacks and he wants to see you sitting in a dimly lit room crying, posting on Facebook, I don't know what I'm going to do. Why don't you do the opposite? Say, you want it? You want to go? Let's go. You picked a fight with the wrong Christian. You must have had me confused for somebody else. I'm going to take you out in Jesus' name. I see you taking him out. You touch my wife, I'll kill you. I'll make you sorry. You, if you jerk the leash, you better be ready for the dog that's on the other end of it. And Satan jerked the wrong leash tonight. He's not going to find a lukewarm, indifferent, weak, defeated Christian. He's going to find people that are strong. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. More than conquerors. That's what you are. More than a conqueror. That's what you are. Say it out loud. I'm not going down. I'm going up. You touch the wrong family. You will pay. You'll pay. The devil's going to rue the day he didn't kill you when he had the chance. Because you're going to spend the rest of your life trampling on his head all over West Virginia, all over Ohio, all over Pennsylvania. When people leave, send people in from the lobby to take their seats. If you hear this and your, your reaction is to walk out, I, you, you can't be helped. There's nothing even to do in this town. We're not in Miami. Where are you going? <laughs> I have laundry. Okay, go do your laundry. No one will read a story about your life ever. They'll have to say the pat things they say at everybody's funeral. She had a smile that could light up a room. No, she didn't. I knew her. She had a normal smile. No light ever came from her teeth. But I'm not having a funeral like that. Neither are you. They're going to have, your funeral is going to be packed with people that say, that man led me to Jesus. That woman led me to Jesus. They changed my life. This sounds like revival. Yeah, I hear the sound of the armies of the Lord. 
Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Well, say it one more time. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Now lift both hands and begin to thank him that he's strengthening you right now. That's what revival is. It's reviving. It's putting life back in. It's causing indifferent people to be on fire, people. Not by might. Not by power. But by the Spirit. The Holy Ghost. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap. You can be seated. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise. You can be seated. So, turn to Ephesians 6. I know I said to turn to Acts 19. That was just like a, a drill. I got to the line of scrimmage and didn't like the defense, so I called an audible. Read Ephesians 16. Ephesians, or Ephesians 6. Verse 10, Ephesians 6, 10, a final word, be strong. Not trying to, oh, I'm trying to be strong. There's anything about trying. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Doesn't say anything about your strength. There's, that's what you're receiving right now. That's the whole purpose of meetings like this. You're tapping in to heaven's power. If that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he'll quicken your mortal body. He'll quicken your mind. You can live in that flow. You don't just have to come into a meeting again. You can live in that, that flow of the Holy Ghost. Watch me online next week. I'll be in South Carolina doing the same. Yeah, we're not tired. I will not be tired. I refuse to be tired. Plus, I found this coffee on Amazon that has double the caffeine... Of Dunkin' Donuts. So between those two things, I could run to South Carolina. <laughs> Say it with me. Be strong. Be strong. And then one of the ways you facilitate that strength, one more time. Say it. The death and life death. are in the power of the tongue. I just feel weak. Yeah, and you'll get weaker. Don't use your mouth to speak weakness and sadness. I have seasonal affective disorder. When it's cloudy, I just feel depressed. You keep talking. You'll be in a coffin soon. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Can you say amen? Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against how many of the strategies of the devil? All of them. Every strategy he has, God's power, causes you to stand and him to flee. Never confuse a challenge for a defeat. They told pastor, you'll never, you, we will never zone this to be a church. That's what they told the pastor. Is it a church or not? Okay. And the guy that said it'll never happen, he gone. Somebody say, be strong. Stand, you can stand. Just because there's an attack, just because there's the devil mouthing off, they said, quit saying what they said. Say what God said. Yes. Quote the word. Yes. Pastor Rodney built that new church, or, or the balconies, in five and a half months. It's an 18-month project. If your uncle was head of the city council, it would take 18 months. 
If they, if they rubber stamped everything you wanted to do immediately, it's an 18-month project with the back orders on stuff. So he needs an HVAC system. You know, if you don't have air conditioning in a Florida church, people will die. It's not a luxury. You know, people see in visions, but it's not the Holy Ghost. It's heat stroke. I see Jesus. No, you need water. Don't go to the water fountain. I said, Jesus, you're telling me I'm going to write poetry. So he calls for... They put the order in for the air conditioning system, and they said, you know, he wants to be done for January. They said there's a 50-week wait on HVAC systems. That's going to put it in de December of this year. He wants to open, you know, 12 months. So what did he do? Uh, well, we wanted to be open for January, but they said, they said, don't say what they said. So he told the, the general contractor, you tell him that I'll have it this week. But he didn't want to tell him the general contractor. That's the hard part about not being the preacher. The preacher just gets to say it, and then his staff has to like actually tell them. <laughs> they don't feel any anointing. Hey, um, it's me again. Our pastor uh, said that he's going to have it this week. So when he told that guy that from the HVAC company in Florida, he he mocked him and, and cursed. He said, we have car dealerships that have been waiting longer than 50 weeks that still don't have it. And hung the phone up. And then the guy called back the next day. You're never going to believe what happened. No, actually, we're the ones that believe it. You, you are the one that has a problem with belief. You're never... Now, this so struck the guy that he called. He said, there's an HVAC... There's a car dealership that ordered an HVAC system with the exact specifications of your church that just canceled the order today. He went, I thought, this must be God. He says he's a heathen. This must be God. <laughs> Can you imagine God doing miracles for you so astounding that even the heathen say, this must be God. That'll be your testimony all this year in Jesus' name. <laughs> miracles so great, even the heathen have to admit there's a God. Said it'll be there this week. They got it. Death and life's in the power of the tongue. Don't say what you see. Say what you believe. And what you believe will become what you see. What did God change Abram's name to? Abraham. Which means what? Father, father of many nations. So he had to introduce himself for years. His name didn't mean father of Like Jonathan, if you go to a Christian bookstore, means God's gracious gift. My name means God's gracious gift, but my name is not God's gracious gift. Abraham's name didn't mean father of many nations. In that language, Abraham, Abram, exalted father. Abraham was a sentence, father of many nations, like a Native American name. So God made him call those things that were not as though they were every time he introduced himself. Hello, I'm father of many nations. Oh, yeah? I see your, uh, where are your children at? Not here yet. Well, I see your grandma over there. Where's your wife that's going to get them to you? No, that's my wife. She's the one who's going to have the children. To each his own. Yeah. And you look like a moron when you start speaking faith. And there's nothing. When you're standing in a church in Vermont with 32 people telling people that these stadiums are going to get packed. You know what I told them actually? Because I saw it. I still haven't done it, but I'll do it. Jesus tarries. I said, the stadium that the Lincoln Financial Field that the Eagles play in, 
I said, one day in Philadelphia, that stadium, that stadium will be packed. The whole stadium packed with people to hear the gospel and there'll be lines waiting for 90 minutes to receive gospel literature after they receive Jesus Christ. I don't care that I'm in a church of 32 people. I'm not talking where I am. I'm talking where I'm going. And I see you going high. Nobody in this room is going to stay where they're at now. Nobody. Shout it out. Increase. Increase. Overflow. Overflow. Multiplication. Multiplication. One more time. Increase. Increase. Overflow. Overflow. Multiplication. Multiplication. I like that. I like overflow. Jonathan, the place is already full. Where are you going to put three more busloads of people? Figure it out. We'll figure it out. Put Velcro on their backs and throw them up against Velcro walls. Put them on the stage. I, I like that, that. See if I won't open the windows of heaven. Pour you out a blessing. I, I like that you have a wild pastor. You couldn't have a meeting like this with most people. He's happy. He was like, you know, really, um, we don't have the bathroom facilities. And our parking is not rated for this minute. No. You have to have a little bit of crazy in you from the world's perspective to have what God said. Because God doesn't, listen now, God never works according to your ability or your resources. He works according to his ability and his resources. And that's why when he anoints you, your cup runneth over. I see your cup running over all of this year. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. So the, you're, the person's never your enemy. There's people. It's like that hitman. He had a demon. The devil uses people, but the person needs to be redeemed. So as long as I'm alive, this building will never be a church. Okay, I know who sent you. People have never gotten mad at anything in their life. There's people, and we don't have, this has been an easy meeting. Obviously, the place is jam-packed. It's not like I have any complaints. But you get people that storm out of a revival meeting that have never stormed out of anything in their life. <laughs> Sit through an R-rated movie and not have one problem. You picked an interesting time to become a principled person. How come you can watch nudity and hear the Lord's name in vain and you'll pay money to go hear it and then you're hearing stuff out of the Word of God? I don't like that. I don't think Asbury's a genuine revival. Yeah. Thank you, Charles Finney. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood. People are super nice once you get the devil cast out of them. And you say, Amen. You don't get mad at the people. But we are fighting. Does everybody say we're in, a fight? we're in a fight? Now, that's where you lose most of the Canadian, European, and American churches. They want to be everybody's buddy. They think you can, you can do church in a way where you make peace with everybody. Where the Bible says, <laughs> we are engaged. There is a war. Now, obviously, Christ dethroned the rulers. But they're usurping where they're not supposed to be, trying to sit on people and see them go to hell. It's a spiritual fight. 
You can't make peace with the devil. <laughs> I, I, I preached on this two weeks ago at Revival Today Church that people still blame what Adolf Hitler was able to do on a guy named Neville Chamberlain because Neville Chamberlain was in charge of England and he had the idea to deal peacefully with Hitler. So he'd go to his mountain retreat and take pictures with him and then reason with them, and okay, we'll give you France, but stop there. When one side, listen now, when one side is committed to war, to try to deal with them in a spirit of benevolence like Neville and Chamber, Chamberlain ensures that you're going to get your rear end kicked. I mean, I can pull up a ton of videos off my phone and put them up, but I'm not going to. It's not the place of, of people fighting. They upload it on Twitter all the time. And the fight usually is one person who thinks fighting is shoving and another guy that's prepared to do 25 to life. And you can tell the one guy that just wanted to shove around a little bit gets this look on his eyes like, yo, wait a minute. He just wanted to push. And the other guy didn't want to push. Knock him out, kick him while he's down, get in his car and go to run him over. He's cuckoo. So what's the devil? If you read the Bible, is the devil looking to shove? No. He, the Bible tells you, Jesus said, he's looking to kill. He doesn't want your child depressed. He wants your child dead. Overdosed on pills. You walk into the room and find them dead. That's his plan. So if the devil's doing that, for the church to be Neville, you know, we don't have to, we don't want to say that. That can offend people. And it, that church that makes the decision to deal with the devil and benevolence has, has made a decision to get destroyed. When you read the book of Acts, you're not reading a church that's dealing mildly with Satan. You're dealing the church that, you're dealing with the church that prays until the building's shaken, then go out and preach, heal the sick, cast out devils, work the works of Christ, and take territory. That was the former reign. This is the latter reign where God is restoring that fire back to the church in Jesus' name. So Neville Chamberlain got replaced with Winston Churchill who said we we're going to deal with Hitler in the spirit of war. We'll fight them on the land. We'll fight them at sea. I mean, it doesn't sound very tough, but he at least was heading in the right direction. We're going to kill, we're going to kill Hitler. We're going to take him out. And I'm not looking for a peace deal with the devil. He's committed to take the church out, and the church is anointed to take him out. And now I'm going to make it personal, because the Bible about the church says, you are all living stones in that house. He's committed to take you out, but you're anointed to take him out. And I see you taking him out this year. In Jesus' name. One more time, if you know you're a part of that church, take 15 good seconds. Clap your hands on ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. The devil's not over our head. The devil is under our feet. Shout hallelujah. For we're not, you can be seated, but we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. When, when there was East and West Germany, and East Germany was communist, Kenneth Hagin told his workers, if we can get my book, The Believer's Authority, 
printed in German and sent into East Germany, that wall will fall within 10 years. And they did it and it did. Because you deal with things in the spirit. The church in East Germany had been beaten down. You know, when you get under communism, you don't find too many strong churches in a communist country. There, you know, we can't do that. We can't have meetings because, um, you know, they won't let us. And they're used to being dictated to what to do. So he sent that book over the believer's authority. That the powers that are behind those rulers are demonic. And you have authority over those spirits. And you can walk in that authority and see it come down. And the German church began, the East German church began to pray. And pray in the Holy Ghost. And see those things brought low. And when Reagan came and gave his speech, that was the after effect of what the church had already done. Can you say amen? I'll give you another one. Everybody say wicked powers in the heavenly realms. Let all the 930 people leave. 930. We'll stay till 930. It's 930. You leave at 930. Get your jacket. Leave at 930. It's 930. We have to be home at 930. There's nothing to do here. Revivals are interesting because you have people fly in from Hawaii and drive down from Maine and you got people that live a half mile away that are too dumb to see what, what, what's going on. That story I told you about Lester Summerall casting those spirits out. Listen to this now. This is what I'm talking about, about when you break demonic power. The Philippines had no churches that had over 400 people. There was one church that had a little under 400 people. That was the biggest church, Catholic or Protestant in the country. And there were less than 400 churches in all of the Philippines, Catholic and Protestant. Lester Summerall has the Lord sent him to the Philippines. And there's a news story that there's a girl in the prison that's 12 years old. She was a child prostitute, and her mother was a, a witch that put her on the streets in prostitution. She got arrested for soliciting a police officer. So they put her in a women's prison. Her name's Clarita Villanueva. This really happened. And it comes on the news. You know, Lester Summerall's an Assemblies of God evangel uh, missionary in the 60s. And they tell this story that they put this girl in the women's prison. She was in a cell by herself, and she'd start thrashing around like she was getting attacked, but there's no one in the cell with her. And when they came in, there were two pronged bite marks on her body, two teeth with saliva. So one of the guards told her that you're making this up to get special attention. And she pointed at him and said, you'll be dead today. And he died that night. Then another guard hit her and she told him the same thing and he died. So the prison was freaking out. Because there's a 12-year-old demon-possessed girl, not like... Not like American church. Do you think he might have a demon? If you have to ask, they don't. No, he's just unshowered. He's a good guy. 
This girl had a demon. So they put it on the news, and when, when Brother Summerall saw it on the news, he was getting ready to go to his church, which wouldn't grow. And the Lord spoke to him, go and do something about that. And he said, I told the Lord on my way to the car, I'm not. If I go, they're going to think I'm some kind of sensationalist, supernatural weirdo. I want to be, you know, navy blue suit, white shirt and tie, proper preacher. So the Lord spoke to him when he goes out to his car again. I need you to go and do something. And he said, what the Lord told me after I said what I said next changed my life. I said, why don't you send someone else? And the Lord said, I don't have anybody else. That's what happened all during COVID. Everyone's waiting for somebody to open churches up. And sooner or later, it started to dawn on pastors and stuff. If you don't do something, no one else is going to do it. There's not someone else. Isaiah 6. Who will go for me? And who can I send as a messenger to the people? Do you think God was up in heaven asking rhetorical questions? There's, there's denominational Bible schools, ministry schools, that graduated zero people that went, went into ministry last year. Some graduated three. It, it's a nation of 350 million people. Churches going up for sale all over the place. No pastors to put there. They're all going to turn into vape shops or whatever else. Every time a church goes under, if, if, if a church doesn't do something about it, the devil almost like makes sure it turns into a bar, church bar, church brewery, as a like stick it trophy of the devil. So as soon as, it be, as soon as you begin to realize, Smith Wigglesworth ain't coming back. Billy Graham's gone. It's your turn now. That you have a cross to shoulder to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't do it, it won't get done. I don't have anybody else, Lester. That's why I'm calling you. you the Philippines, there weren't preachers there. No one's going to go. And the ones that are there, Methodists, they don't even believe in demons. They believe that ended with the last apostle. So I don't have anybody, brother. I got you. So when the Lord told him that, he said it broke, it broke his heart. He went, talked to the warden and the mayor. The warden and the mayor of Manila. Huge city were there. And the Lord gave him what to say. They said, why should we let you do it? Are you a doctor or what? He said, no, I'm a preacher. Well, what are you going to do? He said, "There's only, the Lord gave him this. Think, listen to this, it's powerful. Book's called Bitten by Devils, the Clarita Villanueva story. If you want to read the whole thing. And Lucius Summerall is not some kook. He had the second largest church in the United States and was the one who attended Senate hearings to get Christian television on the air tax-exempt. He, he was a, a, a great man of God. I actually watched all of his programs. When I got out of Bible school, he was on TV, on direct TV, and I was flipping through the channels and saw him. You know, this is why I know who he is. When I saw him, the Lord spoke to me. Don't flip the channel. Get a notebook, watch DVR every show that comes on. Back then it was TiVo. TiVo every show that comes on of his and take notes. And I had a notebook full of his sermons. Learn what he knew to take what he had to your generation. He said, sirs, there's only three powers in the world. The power of God, the power of man, and the power of the devil. He said, what's going on with that girl? Would you agree with me that it's not God doing that? They said, yes. He said, would you agree with me that it's not people doing that? They said, no, she's in a cell by herself. He said, well, that only leads one power. It's demonic. And he said, I'm a minister of the gospel, and I have power over those demons. So they, they, they say, okay, go in. He had to sign waivers so that he wouldn't sue if something went wrong. 
He goes in. She's asleep in her cell, 12 years old, full of the devil. And she sits up. <laughs> Where is Rom here? Rom? Nick. Oh, see if there's a way to like brighten this up and get it to Daystar standard. I would like to just play these stories to freak people out at home. <laughs> On TV. Can picture some guy flipping through the other. He walks in, and she sits straight up in her cell and didn't speak any English. And in English, pointed at him and said, I hate you. It was the devil talking in English. And let's show him, said, I know who you are. No, he said, I know who you are. He said, I know who you are, too. And he goes in. It took him two days. He, kept, he, he dealt with her the first day, got one of the spirits to leave, went home and fast, stayed on a fast, came back the second day and got her delivered, led her to the Lord. And when that deliverance happened, the mayor was so thrilled. Anytime a demon gets cast out, there's like a victory that gets released into the place. That the mayor said, tell me what I can do for you. I'll give you anything you want. Lester Summerall said, I want to have a six-week crusade in the city center in Manila. And the mayor said, it takes that long to tell about your God? He said, I've been telling about him for almost 50 years, and I haven't even gotten close to starting. So he said, okay. He stamped all the permits. He had, he had Oral Roberts do two weeks. He did a week. Gordon Lindsay did a week of follow-up, and he had Rex Humbard. It went Oral Roberts two weeks, Rex Humbard two weeks, Lester did a week, and then um, Gordon Lindsay did the follow-up in the sixth week. They had... No churches of more than 400. They had 350,000 people give their life to Jesus Christ in six weeks. And he built a church. Can you feel right now in your spirit that I'm not telling stories? I'm, I'm telling you what's going to happen in America. I'm telling you that the devil already fired his best shot 2020 through 2022. And he did what he does best. He failed. And now we have a window as the church to take ground for God. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Brother Summerall built a church that was a 20,000 seater, packed it out. And then the Lord spoke to him after a few years that he needs to leave and go to America. Because if he stays in, think how humble this guy is. That if you stay here, the people are going to begin to worship you. And that, that happens to preachers. Wigglesworth said the same thing. Anybody ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He told Lester Summerall when he was in his 80s, the Lord's going to call me home, home soon because people are starting to cross the line. You know, he had 21 people raised from the dead in his meeting where they actually, they're not receiving from me. They're like worshiping me. We got people who still go to his house in England. This is where he lived. Yeah, he's not Jesus. It's Jesus. He was, this is how powerful his ministry was in Manila. He'd be walking on the sidewalks and people would come down and lay gifts at his feet and, and like lay down before him. So I said, you got to get out of here. So he gets on a plane to fly back to America. They had to delay the flight for eight hours because several thousand people stormed the airport and laid on the runway so the plane couldn't take off. That's called a ministry. And you know why I came back to America? The Lord said, get back to America. This is in the late 60s. 
that country's in worse shape than this one's in. And he said, in the 60s, what? And the Lord said, I'm going to give you. You should watch it when you go home. It's on YouTube. It's called, uh, I can't remember the title, but it's the seven things God told him. Preachers, full gospel preachers, thought he lost his mind. Because the Lord said, yeah, I know, I know what you think it looks like. But I'm telling you that America, I'm going to tell you where it's headed right now. And I'm going to send you back to stave it off. He said, number one, there's going to be a spirit of violence that's loosed in America that'll get so bad that teachers won't be able to conduct class in public school. Now think of you prophesying that in the 1960s. Where you had rifle clubs at school. Kids went to school with loaded rifles and there was never a shooting. We need gun control. No, we need the devil cast out. Where was there just a huge shooting in Europe? Is it Germany? Guns are illegal. Bullets are illegal in Mexico. Doesn't matter. People don't stop committing crimes because, you know, I was going to shoot that guy, but then I read that murder is illegal. Murderers murder. Can you say amen? Yeah. I was going to buy drugs, but now drugs are illegal. If there's not a spiritual revival in the country, the country's finished, but we're going to have it. We're having it right now. Amen? One of the other things. Now, when he told this, people pulled him aside and told him he needed to, like, chill. But it was what the Lord told him. This is in the 70s. He said, homosexuality will become so prevalent in America. Now, this is back... In the 70s, it, gay marriage wasn't illegal. Homosexuality was illegal. And he said, homosexuality will become so prevalent that there'll be parades down the center streets with mayors leading the parade. People thought he lost his mind. But in 2023, see, God knows the future. But God didn't just say, yep, and the country's going to go down the toilet, and that's how it is. Because I No, he said, now go back. After he told him the seven things, he said, now, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to put you on television all over America. He said, get faith for satellite TV, and I'll give you a million souls just on television. And he did. And he built that church of 2000 in South Bend. And then you had Oral Roberts and John Osteen, Joel's dad, that were taken out of that, that generation that worked to stave that off. Now, the thing that I started with, if you remember, was the apathetic, indifferent current generation. Well, send times. Bible says sin will abound. Bible says it'll be wicked. That's what we're seeing. Praise the Lord. I'm getting out of here. Yes, so am I. But before we get out of here, we have orders to give the devil the worst thrashing that he's ever had and see souls come in. And we're seeing it right now because the devil's not going to have the final say. Jesus is having the final say in the United States of America. Somebody say revival. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand and resist the enemy in the time of evil. Everybody say the time of evil. It's a season. There are seasons where the enemy attacks. And the Bible says when Jesus resisted the devil, how did he resist him? With the word. It wasn't a demon. And I'm not going to go much longer. I'm going to pray for everybody. But don't miss this. It wasn't a demon that came after Jesus. It was Satan himself. 
What did Jesus do? Shake his head and speak in speak emergency tongues? I bind. No. Say it with me. It is written. It is written. It is written. You know, the devil never argued one time with what was written. The word's so powerful that when Jesus spoke one verse, he said, okay, I'll leave you one. Now, what about this? It is written. Then it is written. And then the Bible says when he resisted him three times, the enemy left him alone for a season. Now, you don't have to believe this if you don't want, but I'm telling you, 2020, 2021, 2022, that was the three years that we had to resist, and now we've won, and the Bible says Satan left him alone for a season. Do you know there's a season where the enemy will leave you alone? And we're in that season right now where the enemy's regrouping because he got his tail kicked and the United States didn't bow to the World Economic Forum and the United Nations. This is a season where the enemy's been cleared out and the church is blowing up. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. After the battle. I believe in spiritual warfare. I've taught on it. I've engaged in it. But life can't be fighting all the time. Eventually, you get to your Rehoboth, Genesis 26, where you drive out the opposition and you come into a place of peace where the Lord gives you space to prosper. That's where we are right now. Now, remember I said this. This thing will not die after I leave. This church will continue to bust at the seams as long as he's at the helm until Jesus comes back, whatever's first. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Don't back up. Don't give the devil one inch. Yeah, so I I stayed there at that church in... Harrisburg, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the gospel so you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith that quenches all the fiery darts of the devil. How many fiery darts of the devil does the shield of faith quench? Oh, I like the sound of that. Oh. The devil doesn't have any weaponry that has capacity to get through the shield of faith. Lift your hands all over this place. As you've been receiving two and three hours of word per night, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, that shield that may have been broken or full of holes, now it's you got a proper shield of faith, and everything the enemy fires at you will be quenched by that shield of faith. In Jesus' name. I said in Jesus' name. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. God's word is not a tissue box, it's a sword. It's not to take out a page and dry your eyes when you're going through hard times. It's a weapon to attack. It is written, it is written, it is written. Devil left. Amen? Amen. So, getting back to Harrisburg. Have that Reinhardt Bonnke video queued up that I I told you uh, a couple days ago. I'll do that in Pittsburgh. Show you what revival is and how high it can go. So Dallas goes back and gets cared for. And uh, I preached that week. And then to make it like there wasn't enough, Monday night they brought this youth group in from Tibet. Like a bunch of teenagers that were visiting. Something to do with the high school in Harrisburg. All these teenagers from Tibet. I give an altar call to receive Jesus Christ. And a bunch of them come forward to get saved. So I go to pray with them. (laughs) 
this one little Tibetan girl gets down on all fours, her shoulders contort, and she looks up at me and starts growling like, like a lion. And I was like, are you kidding me? My wife's in Pittsburgh dying. I'm putting up with that. And then I, I, now I got to ca cast out like an overseas demon. Can I get like a weak American demon? <laughs> he looked right at me and growled. Oh, I was already thinking about like where I was going to eat after the service. <laughs> I got you. And I sprang down off the platform before, I, you know, it was obviously my spirit because my head was thinking what I just told you. I jumped down off the platform when she grabbed. I picked her straight up and stood her on her feet. I said, you won't contort her body like an animal. She's a woman created in the image of God. Get out! And when I said get out, it growled one more time, which made me very angry because I was being disobeyed. And plus, I was going through all that other stuff. So that demon got like both barrels. I said, not a word. And it went. She hugged me, led her in the sinner's prayer. And uh, that church kept going, kept blowing up. Then we had the meeting in Philadelphia. 2000. Why was the devil fighting that and trying to get me to quit? And obviously, we're going to, you know, my wife just had a major attack. It's the beginning of July. And that crusades for the end of August. Obviously, I'm going to have to cancel that. That's what, that's what I was trained to do. I need, and I need a sabbatical. I need eight months off. He just took a look. That, that's all. Then the devil sidelines you. And you don't come back after the eight months and step right back into it again. When the devil tries to get you to take a step back, take two steps forward. Now, anything the devil has told you that you can't do once, do it twice. I was preaching that, and I, I, I put it on um, Revival Today Radio. And a, a lady came to the meeting in central Pennsylvania. This was another church. And she had a, a dual stroller with two boys that were like two years old, twins. She raised her hand and said, can I say something? I said, sure. This was in Grantville, Pennsylvania. She drove up from Baltimore. Her name's Anika. She said, because of my past and some, some things that went on in my past, I was never to be able to have children again, ever. They, or not again, ever. Never get pregnant, womb damage. You'll never have children. And she said, I was listening to you preach in Baltimore. I'd never met her. I was listening to your radio. And you said, anything the devil tells you you can't do once, do it twice. <laughs> Just to stick it in his face. And she said, when you said that, everybody say, faith, faith. comes by hearing, comes by hearing. hearing by the word. By she said, something rose up in me and I said, I'm going to have twins. And she said, I confess that. I told my husband. He got on board with me faith-wise and otherwise. And she said, I got pregnant. And they told me I'm not going to be able to have children and I'll lose the pregnancy. But we kept our confession. And she said, I had the boys. And when I heard you were only two hours from Baltimore, I wanted to bring them up and show you what faith can do. So we had the boys get out of the stroller. And I had them walk around and run around the front of the church the whole time I preached just to stick it to the devil that there were two boys that he said it would never exist. I'm telling you, the devil doesn't have the privilege to tell you what you can and can't do in life. God's word says all things are possible. All things are possible. The 10 o'clock train's leaving. It's 10 o'clock. We'll leave at 10. 
Next train will be 10.15. Father, we believe you can do anything, but you better do it before 9.45 or I'm out of here. You, you think I preach long? The Bible says Paul preached until midnight. And you know, people were busier then. There were no cars. The average, the average home used to have 90 man hours of work a week. There were no washing machines, no ironing boards. Now it's down to six hours a week to, to maintain a house. People, people are very busy now. People actually are not, people are the least busy they've ever been. That's why they have time to be on uh, uh, dating apps, even though they're married and stuff. We were in church for three hours. Yeah, and you've been on Netflix for seven hours scrolling and never even watched anything. get paid per person I lay hands on. I'm not stupid. <laughs> so we go and do that meeting in Philly. 2,564 people received Jesus Christ in five nights. And I realized why that attack was so harsh. The devil knew what was coming. He can't, listen now, he can't stop you. He can only discourage you into stopping yourself. That's why the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. I liked watching you preach in Maui. How many people were at that church that night, roughly? About 20 at the most. That's what I would say. And you never could tell watching you preach. And they, not only were there 20, they all sat as scattered as could be. It didn't look like there was COVID. It looked like there was Ebola. That church probably seats what, 150, 200 or more? Yeah, and there are 20 people all spread. And when I watched him preach, you'd have thought that at least the ushers would have no sense to sit people in the front so the kid doesn't have to bust his abdomen open, fill in a whole, a whole sanctuary for 20 people. And that kid, I watched you preach, let it rip. I'm going to send you back to Hawaii with $1,000. Now, money doesn't make you happy, though. Money doesn't make you happy. <laughs> the flying Hawaiian. Makana. Because I, I know if you, and I don't know what church you preach at. I'm not trying to make anybody look bad. But I know in my spirit they gave you a lousy honorarium or whatever. And then you took all the money you had and thought, I'm going to get to these meetings. And I don't care what I'll do in the future. Because I want to get something from the Holy Ghost. And the Lord's going to give you something from the Holy Ghost. He's also going to give you the money you deserve. Now, let, let that be, let that be a lesson to everybody that's a Christian. Don't worry about who doesn't do for you what they should. Because if you keep your heart pure and do what God said, the Lord will never let you go unpaid. I see past payment that you were due. 
that was withheld. I see the windows of heaven coming open and loosing it over you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Nothing. So that's why the Bible says, say with me, be not weary in well-doing. Now, why would that be a verse unless there was a tendency to be weary in well-doing? Be not weary in well-doing. Why? For you shall. Not you might. You shall reap a reward if you don't give up and quit. If you, don't, if you faint not. In the New Living Translation, if you don't give up and quit. People quit. Everybody starts small. The difference is whether people got their breakthrough. I don't know if you saw me when I was on Daystar a couple weeks ago. I talked to Perry Stone. They were talking about Marcus Lamb that owns Daystar now, that's valued at a billion dollars. He started out as a Church of God evangelist. They didn't have any money. None of them had any money. Nobody starts. <laughs> what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say Paul said in 1 Corinthians? Brethren, we're, not many of you were wise or wealthy or powerful when the Lord called you. Instead, the Lord delighted in calling things that the world deems foolish in order to shame those that are powerful, that no man may ever glory in his presence. Jesse Duplan is flying around in his Falcon 900, but he told me about his meeting when he got saved and left the rock industry, making hundreds of thousands of dollars back in the early 70s when money was money. He goes to his first meeting and preaches a week, fasts the whole week because they never fed him and he didn't have any money. Him and Kathy had given it all away. Then they didn't give him any offering. And he drives home, makes it to a gas station, has enough money to fill up and no money for food. Not fill up, get enough gas to go home. And he sees the man, this is now, so people see him now, what's he doing? You don't know how people started. You don't know the, 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 the test people passed. So he sees the guy at the gas station in Louisiana getting ready to empty the popcorn machine and throw it away. And he says, sir, can I have, the, you mind if I have that if you're going to throw it away? I said, yeah, no problem. And I guess the way he ate it from having not eaten in a week, you know, people eat different when they're starving. They're like, is this organic? They just eat. <laughs> Nina Dallas went over to northern Uganda at a refugee resettlement place and helped feed kids. No one asked any questions about the food. It was just eaten. So he's gobbling up the popcorn, and the guy goes, son, when's the last time you've eaten? He said, about a week. He said, why don't you get a job? He said, I have a job. He said, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, well, don't you have, you know, it's Louisiana. People know about church there. He said, don't you have any meetings or place to preach? He said, I just finished a week of meetings. And the guy goes, did they not give you any offering? He said, they didn't. Because he, he preached a little ways away. So it wasn't like he's bad mouth from the church in town. The guy said, what church was it? I bet I know which one it was. Best Brother Jesse told him, and that was the church. He said, I know that, that guy's crooked. He said, come in here with me. Takes him into his gas station, opens the cash register, and takes out 46, the whole cash register, $4,600, and hands it to him and goes, don't stop preaching. Gas station owner. Don't quit. Having done all to do to stand, stand there for brethren. It's the devil trying to discourage you, but I came to encourage you. You're not going to die. You're going to live and work the works of Christ. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. 
said out loud, I will not be defeated. I shall not give up and quit. Come on, say it. I will not be defeated. I shall not give up and quit. He who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. Now lift both hands and begin to thank God that he's doing it right now. Thank him out of your mouth with your hands lifted. He's taking you higher. He didn't bring you this far to leave you. This is only the beginning. The best is yet to come. Here's more money, McConnell. The guy just said, I have to bless that man. Now, there's more. You're going to be the richest teenager in Hawaii. <laughs> Hallelujah. What about me? This is my meeting. Now, McConnell, remember this. A prophet is without honor in his hometown and among his own people. So when it comes time, get ready to go to Bible college. Leave Hawaii and then come back, if you come back. Because that's how it goes. Notice you come to West Virginia, people treat you like you're Jesus' little brother. You come to West Virginia, and then Hawaii, they just they don't even care about you. Oh, yes, he's a young man who's, you know, he's very on fire. He, he's very energetic. That's how it goes. That's how it went with Jesus. They didn't receive him in his own hometown. Amen? So, you realize why the devil tries to make you quit? Wow. That's a white kid. Tell you what, if I tried that, I'd be getting prayer for a broken shin. I'll tell you that. Now say this with me. What the devil meant for bad, God will turn it for good. Now say this. God didn't send the bad. God didn't attack my wife's body so that we could grow in faith. No, the, the devil did it. The devil does the attack. But then even if something gets through and you mess up, God will take what the devil meant for bad and use it for good. So... Do that meeting. Amen? Amen? Then we do Philadelphia. And we resist the attack. And then what the enemy tried to do was take my wife out. Well, guess what? She was anemic for close to a year. Had no energy. Just lay in bed. So she had the novel idea to just put on Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagin to get out of bed. Listen to faith. And she started getting stronger. And then it went past getting stronger. You know, she never would preach. She, if I'd have asked her to do what I had her do tonight back in 2015, I'd have got reprimanded in the car on the way home. 
she didn't even want to help like tell about what's on the product table no no hello to the crowd very shy well then she starts watching those programs every day and you know when i met her she was going to bible school to go into the ministry and the faith starts getting in her from the word and one day we're driving somewhere on a long trip and she talked my ear off for almost five hours straight about the bible Jonathan, did you ever read in Ephesians chapter 2 when the Bible says this? And after about, it took me a, a while, but after like the two and a half hour mark, I thought, I know what happened. Because it felt like going for a ride with my dad. My dad's a preacher. Talking about the Bible, or like an older preacher, like Bob Nichols, where they just talk scripture all the time. And what they've been reading and what the Lord showed them. And I said, Adonis, you may have not meant to, but you've crossed the line. You've gone from hearing the word to get your body strong to now... The gift God gave you to preach has been reignited in you. And you're going to start to preach. And if I would have said that before, she said, I don't know. And I, she didn't say yes, but she was just quiet. And then in Montreal was the first time I felt it. I said, I'm going to have my wife do the noon meeting today. We used to do two meetings a day, noon and seven. And then she, she did noon. And then she started preaching after that. And it's starting to get to the point now where I could see her ministry, and I'm not saying this to be a nice husband or anything. I'm telling you facts. I could see myself getting Paula whited. Because she has like a nice face. Instead of me, I have like a mean face. Even when I'm saying nice things, my face looks mean. You have little kids going, Mommy, why is the man yelling nice things at me? You're going to make it. You're gonna... I'm confused. And now doors are opening up for her. The devil was trying to kill her. The devil was trying to kill the gift of God. But what the devil meant for bad actually reignited her passion in her. And now she's up preaching the gospel, doing the very thing Satan tried to keep from happening. Amen? Now in one minute, it'll be 10.15, so the 10.15 train can go. instruments. I'm going to have you do my favorite song. Somebody say a word with me. Say revival. Now, I told you that story about telling those people they were ugly and I was going to stand them up. When that, when that broke Sunday morning, Sunday night there was more people. Not a lot more, but there was more. One of the couples that came, Kevin and Missy, they were in their 40s living together. Just central Pennsylvania, regular people. And I don't know why they came to the church, but they came. So they're living together. They hear me preach. They both come and get saved. And then they feel so convicted that Monday's service, 
They're sitting like Italian Pentecostals. He's on one side of the church and she's on the other side. So they gave $20 in the offering, which was all they had, and they needed to get their heat, their oil heat refilled. So now they didn't have money for it. When they checked it, when they went home, the oil tank was filled, but they didn't care because that had happened before where they filled the wrong house. So they called the oil company and said, you made a mistake and filled our house with oil. And they said, no, we have no record of any truck coming out there. So they testified to that that night, that they gave what the Lord spoke to them to give. You couldn't get your oil tank filled for 20 bucks. And the thing they were trying to save up for, God did. So they told that. Then they said, I never preached about marriage or anything. They said, we want to get married. And, and the pastor, you know, bless his heart. He said, well, we have a program um, where we have six months of marriage counseling, so you have to move out. I said, pastor, they, they can't do that. People can't even afford one rent. You, can't, you put that burden on people. Furthermore, they're not 17. They're in their 40s. They've been living together for seven years. Just do the ceremony. <laughs> now, when you live together, it's the blending of two lives. They know. <laughs> They've been blending for a long time. That's what religion does. Then the meeting starts growing. And we go from 38, the first Sunday morning, 32, whatever it was. Stayed five weeks, closed the last night with 120. Now that's no big deal, but it is 32 to 120. It's a quadrupling. And there was no Facebook. There was no like social media or anything. That was all local. There's no drive-in from Pittsburgh. I didn't have a church to bring buses. That was local. A church go from 32 to 120. And I haven't been back. Because we'd like you to come back. I already came. And it went from 32 to 120 and you ran it back down to 30. I'm not doing it again. So you either run with it. And that's why I'm glad I'm not wasting my time here. Because we don't have a novice pastor. We have a pastor that's going to take this baton. And this Parkersburg will never be the same. This place is going to carry the fire of revival from now till when Jesus comes. Somebody shout increase. increase. Now, when I say revival, and we've got two more nights, so I'll preach more on it in the nights to come. I want to give you a picture of what I'm talking about. Nigeria had less than 400 churches in the entirety of the nation. And they underwent a revival. And now, the largest churches on planet Earth are in the nation of Nigeria. I want to show you the move of God in four minutes that hit that country. And I'm not showing it to you. So we can say, oh, praise the Lord. Look what he did in Africa. God is not an African God. He's not an American God. He's the lamb that was slain for every tongue, tribe, nation, and race. So say this with me. What God will do somewhere, he'll do anywhere if the people will cooperate. How many know revival is a sovereign move of God? No, it's not. It's the wind of heaven coming behind the obedient actions of men. Do you know why this meeting's taking place like this with this many people? Yeah, the Holy Ghost is doing it. But it also took a pastor who had plans to go meet his grandkids. And this isn't a small thing. You've got plans for your birthday to go see your wife and ki- or your daughter and, and her kids, your grandkids, in North Carolina. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to postpone it. This, church, this could be an empty building tonight. This could not be. But somebody was more committed to open the door and cooperate with God's doing than he was with natural things. And same with you. As much as as I've mocked people leaving early and stuff, it's been like nine people. This has been night after night with people coming. 
and staying till the wee hours of the morning, getting carried to their car, and then coming back the next night saying, I want more. And God is well pleased with the people of Parkersburg, West Virginia. How many of you know God has something for you tonight? So there's an evangelist named Reinhard Bonnke. He was having about 30,000 people a night come to his meetings in Nigeria. Then the presidency changed, and an Islamic president came and revoked his visa and barred him from the country for nine years, actually for his whole term. Then the president changed back to a Christian president, and the Lord told him, I'm going to say this out loud. What the devil meant for bad, God will turn for good. And now say this. Let me think of what to say. Loading. Loading. That little circle's going around right now. Got a bad connection. Say, God will give me back what the locust and canker worm took. That's what the Bible says. So even if you've lost years, like he lost nine years of ministry right when the thing was hitting its stride. 30,000 people. Nobody had had meetings like that there. And then he's got to leave. And God said, I'm going to send you back in and I'm going to give you an accelerated harvest to make up for the nine years that you lost. Now, I'm telling you that because there's people that you feel like you lost years. You messed up. I wish I'd have known this, but you didn't. But God's going to, God's going to make up for lost time, because we're in Amos 9.13 right now. The day is coming, says the Lord, in the last days. The plowman will overtake the reaper, the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. I, the Lord, will hasten at my time. The mountains will drip with sweet wine. The plowman will overtake the reaper. That means faster than you can sow the seed, the harvest will come in. That's what we're having right now. And I'm telling you that because, stand up with me real quick, Mr. Doss. What verse were you looking at? There was a day, just for everybody to hear this, stand, stand next to me, where on December, she, it was late November, she said, I'm going to get a job at Macy's, which is fine. But that's how crappy our meetings were going. Not enough money coming in. Sometimes we fasted together for a week because there was no food. Little church, there's no sign that anything's going to happen, let alone stadiums get filled and all that. And I told her, no, stay with me in the ministry, not just marriage, stay with me. We're going to get this thing turned around together. I don't know why we're, we've capped out in the ministry, but let's not step backwards. Let's push. Let's push in fasting and prayer. Let's get this thing figured out. And let's blaze a trail together. So when she was standing next to me in that church in Pennsylvania with 32 disgruntled people, and we were talking then like we're talking now, we're going to have revival. We're going to see churches packed. We're going to see America shaken by the power of God. When you couldn't get people, you couldn't get pastors to even get interested in revival. But now the tide has turned. And I'm telling you that because it's a sign to you. Don't look at where you are now. Look at where the word says you're going and never go backwards and you'll go into your promised land. Now, I'm going to send you back to Nigeria and make up for lost time. When you watch this, if God could do this in Nigeria, he can do it in America. In fact, the reason he did it in Nigeria was the move of God that hit America. They got the books from Brother Hagen and started getting faith for God to shake their nation. 
Now it's time for the pendulum to swing back across the Atlantic and America to have three years where God shakes this continent. Now, what does it look like when God shakes a continent? When you see these meetings, don't think Lagos, Abuja. Think Detroit. Think Boston. Think New York. Think Los Angeles. Imagine God clearing out the whole tent city in San Francisco with people getting delivered from drugs and getting saved. I want you to see what's possible. Go ahead and roll Brother Bunky's video. Watch this. Let faith come alive in you. 1.2 million first-time decisions for Christ in one week. They had to take attendance with military satellites. One point four million, Port Harcourt, Nigeria. There's a church there now that seats seventy thousand. It's packed, multiple services. One point four million, Yola. Picture Chicago. Picture Albuquerque. One point nine million first time decisions for Jesus Christ. Tonight you may come here as weak as can be. You will go home like a conqueror with Jesus. One million. That's a Muslim city. One million first time decisions. What's that one eight? Let that get in your spirit. Picture West Virginia. Picture Charleston. decisions for Jesus Christ in one week by actual card count only counting people that filled it out completely
first class in the soccer stadium. America. How many of you online believe God can do that in Canada, in Germany, in England, in Ireland, all over the world? Now, final video is just to bridge the gap. What do you do when you believe that and see that? Would you pastor a church of 35 people? You just started one. You got 21 on Sundays right now. What do you do? Start where you're at. But if you don't know, it's hard to hit a small target. It's impossible to hit a target you don't have. So if the devil can convince, well, that can happen in Africa. Oh, you think it's because it's Africa? You go to Africa and see how many people show up. Nobody will show up. They'll just beat you up. Didn't happen because it's Africa. Happened because someone had faith to see it happen. Had faith for multitude instead of talking about small church and, and small groups. Nothing wrong with small groups. Young E. Cho had them. But here are some churches, we have small groups. Your church is a small group. Start going after big groups. I'm not going to, going to go into a teaching about it. I'm getting ready to send the newsletter out about why we have 24.8 acres of land. Why we're building a sanctuary the size we are. Why we're, why we're believing, not for mega church, but super mega church. A big group of believers can do a lot. It's a good sign. It's a nice middle finger to the devil. When the largest gathering in a city is believers lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what God has for this last hour of time. I said that's what God has for this last hour of time. In Columbus, in Parkersburg, in Fairmont. In Clarksburg, all down Route 50, let revival burn. So we had plans, because that's what's in my spirit. That's why I have the video. You know, when I was in Bible school, my, the dean of my Bible college said, the days of people gathering in large numbers to hear the gospel is over. And I just pulled that up on YouTube and flipped it around. Because that was happening right as he was saying that. See, if you're blind, that's why the devil wants people to be just, that's why it's good. For, and I'll finish a sentence here and there. That's why it's good for you to be in meetings like this. I don't think, I think we're in a post-Christian society. Okay, now you know we're not. Now you know that's the devil talking. Who said that? That's not a scripture. We're in a post-Christian. Quit speaking death. Start speaking words of revival. God's going to give me this city. Everywhere the sole of my foot shall tread, I'll be on land that God's given me. If you believe it, can you shout amen? Amen. amen? amen. Now, I'll tell you this. 
not only are you going to see this happen, you're not going to be a spectator. You're going to be a part of what God does in this last hour of time. I pray, I pray that as I make my rounds to lay hands on you tonight and God fills you with the Holy Ghost and fire, that you would allow that fire to burn in you and show you what is my piece of the action to bite off. So I had a plan to do a crusade in Pittsburgh where we pastor. And I, I was the one that gave the prophecy that we're going to fill stadiums. I can't, well, right now I can't fill Acrisure Stadium, and I don't even want to fill it till they ch change the name of it. Because I don't like saying it. I liked when it was Heinz Field. Everybody say, start where you're at. Yeah, I, can't, I can't put 50,000 people yet. But let's shoot. Let's take steps. Let's go for, th for 3,000 in the soccer stadium in Pittsburgh and see what we can do. And that soccer stadium is beautiful. The film's nice. I had my friend, Pastor Tony Carpenter, come up from Baltimore, who's, a, who's an expert. We have a strategy. You know, you can have Jeremy Camp come and have 85% Christians fill the stadium. But there's another strategy we have, going door-to-door -door for two weeks with Bible college students, where you go door-to-door -door and invite people, do bill pays, Tell them it's a church meeting, but do things to help people that are, need food and all that. And let's see what happens. As we're planning it, Rodney Howard Brown was preaching at our church. He was giving the altar call for people to get saved. And in the middle of the altar call for people to get saved, not knowing anything we were planning, he said, I'm being caught away in a vision. I see a field in a stadium, but there's like a stage, then a field, then stands that go up describing the exact stadium. And he said, I see people streaming down to receive Jesus Christ. So what do you do? Well, I just pray the Lord does that one day in America. Yeah, that's good. Pray it, then move on it. Once you pray, ask the Lord what tangible physical steps can be taken to start rolling. Reinhard Bonnke didn't start doing those meetings. He started with nobody. One time, he couldn't get anybody to hear him preach. So he went over to the um, dance hall and asked the DJ if he could have the mic for 10 minutes and preached all the youth that were in the dance hall because you're going to get anybody to come. Don't quit. Everybody say, don't quit. don't quit. And don't let anybody discourage you and tell you it's not possible or, yeah, I don't think you're wasting your time. Go. Do the thing the Lord spoke to you to do. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Play the Pittsburgh video and then I'm going to pray for everybody. You can be seen. Steel City Fest was one for the books. For this the is first summer time in Pittsburgh. Bible Today history. We did a stadium crusade in our hometown of Pittsburgh. With minor opposition online causing our social media ads to get rejected, the people of Pittsburgh knew there was something different about this event. The shares began to grow and the word began to spread about Steel City Fest. On the first night, hours before the event, lines began to form around the stadium as over 3,000 people gathered in anticipation. This is in Pittsburgh last summer. This is not Nigeria in 1999. You have value. The devil has a plan to destroy this nation. The devil wants to destroy people in the inner cities. Isn't it interesting when you hear them talk about supply chain shortages? There's no shortage of fentanyl, is there? No. They're rolling drugs into the inner city as easy as they did before COVID because it's a plan to kill you. But God's not looking to kill you. God's looking to destroy the one that was sent to destroy you, pick you up out of the pit, 
and set your feet on the rock this day. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, whosoever means me, whosoever means you, whoever decides to believe in Him, they shall not perish but have everlasting life. I've came a long way. Um, God has truly, truly came into my life. Um, I wanted to move forward, and I've been procrastinating on trying to, you know, walk with the Lord or whatever. And, you know, so finally I said, you know what, I'm going to let go. Um, I'm coming from addiction, and uh, and God has truly delivered me. He has truly delivered me, brought me on my way. And when they say that, uh, when he says, what's the song, an amazing grace, like a wretch like me, God has saved me, and I'm just so happy. The second night, people came hungry for the word to be preached. We were in revival. I see the windows of heaven coming open over you tonight. I see God washing away every foul thing the devil's trying to do for your family. Generation after generation of struggle and hurt. I see Jesus standing on this field, knocking the devil clean out of your life and bringing you into heaven's destiny. 2017, 2018. The Father, he, he changed everything about me, started showing me stuff. And then I kind of fell off. I was an addict. He delivered me. He delivered my family. I come from a, a hard childhood. But he brought me out of that and he showed me some things. And I started to fall away and he told me to come here. I didn't know why I needed to come here. I seen the free stuff and everything, but he just said I had to be here. And when I woke up this morning, everything was trying to keep me from getting here. And I just prayed through it anyway. I said, I don't know why I gotta be there, but I know it. I didn't know this was what it was gonna be. But I just know everything he said, everything the pastor was talking about. He's been showing me. He told me it's time to come back and get my blessings. I'm just overjoyed right now because I just knew I had to be here. I didn't know why. And now I needed this. I needed this revival. I'm not trying to get you signed up for a political group. I'm trying to get you to put your hand in the nail-scarred hand of Jesus and find out there's no problem that he can't eradicate if you call on his name. I haven't choked or coughed or gagged, and normally I can't breathe when I first wake up in the morning. Mind you, I was smoking weed and uh, smoking cigarettes, taking Suboxone. Woke up, they didn't feel the urge to use, so I didn't. I was like, I'm, I don't need it. I came for the fun. And after that message, I was like, I feel like I need to bring my family back. So I came back, and he won. We won a bike also, and I still don't have the urge. The final night of Steel City Fest was a night of breakthroughs and turnarounds. When you go to bed one night a slave in Egypt and you wake up the next morning carrying all their gold and silver headed to your own home in Canaan, that's called supernatural breakthrough and turnaround. Man can't do that. Politicians don't have the power to do that. I don't care what election year they come through and make you a bunch of promises. They can't do it. Man does not have the capacity to lift mankind out of trouble. But Jesus, the Son of God, made flesh. He came to destroy the power of the devil and set people free. 
I came to tell you, when you call on him tonight, he will answer you in the mighty name of Jesus. I see the help of heaven coming to you and your family tonight. Your children aren't meant for destruction. Your children aren't meant to have to go and try to sell drugs to get food. No, this is your hour to come out of Egypt and go into Canaan's fair land. We saw 6,010 people in attendance and 1,922 salvations for Jesus Christ. The people of Pittsburgh will never be the same. Somebody shout revival. revival. Who's here from Pittsburgh that got born again in that meeting or started coming to our church for, from that meeting? Stand up if, if, if you're one of them. Stand up. Who else? So now they're, now they're on a bus down here to get more. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. God's not finished with America. Say it one more time. God's not finished with America. Say the best is yet to come. I tell you from now on, anytime you hear any, any minister saying how angry God is, God's going to judge this place, you're not listening to the Holy Ghost. The God's plan right now is revival. These next three years are a window God's given us to run with the torch of revival and see America transformed by the power of God. And that's what, that's what God's going to put in you right now. And the Lord's going to speak to you what your thing is to do. The Great Commission is too big for any man to bite it off themselves. Everybody finds their place of what to do. And God has a place for you. Don't let any devil discourage you. You're too old. You're too young. You're too white. You're too black. You're too uneducated. You're too educated. Devil have a million lies why you can't do it. You're too untalented. You're too talented. No one recognizes your gifts. But you make up your mind tonight. I'm going to get full of the fire of God, and I'm going to run with heaven's torch, and I'm going to see my generation transformed by the power of God. Now, two things. Number one, we have, if you feel called into full-time ministry, we started a Bible school in Pittsburgh, two hours and 23 minutes up the road at night, two hours and 37 minutes up the road during the day. Revival Today Bible Institute. It's $2,000 for two years. I picked the course list, two years to get you trained in the ministry and send you out. If you're going to be in the ministry, you need, you need trained. You can't just launch in. You need trained. Just like you can't decide to become an airline pilot. You need training. Or you're going to frustrate yourself your whole life. So we did that. No wasted time. Number two, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to give tonight, which I think this will be the second offering I've taken this week. So if God's moved on your heart this week and has given you something you want to do, you want to help build that church in Pittsburgh, you want to be a part of this, they're going to pass out envelopes right now going to take a very quick offering, give you a chance to give. That way, after I lay hands on you, you can just enjoy the presence of God. If you'd like an envelope, lift your hand. If you're watching online, our friends and partners that are watching online, you want to do something big. God's been laying, dealing with your heart. You know you want to do something. The thing with the church and the land moved you. This is your opportunity. Revivaltoday.com. You click give now. Get that passed out. No one has to do anything. Nobody has to do anything at all. No one has to do anything they don't want to do. But there are people tonight that the Lord's spoken to in past services to release something that's precious into the work of the Lord, believing for a, a harvest. This is your opportunity to do that right now. There's people that came here tonight to give. 
That's what happens in revival. Revival loses giving. That's when people are running around loading Makana down. It loosens people up to the spirit and loosens their money up so they can receive a harvest. If you still need an envelope, lift your hand. They'll get you one very quickly. If you're up in the balcony and you need one, or you can remember, you can go to revivaltoday.com and click give now. You're going to receive that offering very quickly. How many of you are blessed tonight? How encouraging is it to see all this? God's on the move. If you're making out a check, make it out to Revival today. You spell thousand, T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D. You make a comma like this. Greatest thing you can give to in all the world. Building of churches winning of souls, establishing of the kingdom of God, and it puts a blessing back in your hand. Praise God. 20 more seconds and then we'll collect it. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for giving online. You guys online have been about equal in what's given live, which is what you do on Sundays. It's amazing. You could just shut your laptop and go to bed and instead you give. Hold up your seed before the Lord. Father, thank you for a hundredfold return to every giver tonight. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Go ahead and quickly receive the offering. I'm going to pray for everybody from Revival Today Church first, not because you're more important, though you are, <laughs> but I know you have a little bit of a drive ahead of you. I'm going to get hands laid on you, and I appreciate you coming all this way down from Pittsburgh. Most of you have work in the morning and all that. Now, we have Thursday night and Friday night of these, or the last two nights of this great meeting. I would do everything in your power to not only not miss it yourself, but any, anybody that God's laid on your heart to bring, let's make this Thursday and Friday night strong. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I've been driving back and forth to Pittsburgh every night for some reason. That's how much I love my, my daughter. I've been taking her to school in the morning because I'm going to not see her all, all week next week and my wife too, so. If you have a drive, I've been having it with you. But two more nights, then it's over. And you can, 9.15, you can go anywhere you want. <laughs> and not get harassed. <laughs> Offering received, almost.
Praise God. Good. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight, and like those 1,922 people in Pittsburgh and the 3.4 million in Lagos, Nigeria, when you heard the gospel tonight, you realized, I'm not living on fire for God. I'm what Jesus warned of. I've allowed myself to become lukewarm and indifferent. I'm not a full-out sinner, but I've allowed enough of this world to turn me into a, like an American religious Christian. I'm indifferent. I don't read my Bible. I don't pray. I don't witness. I used to. I don't. Maybe you're here for the first time and you've never received Jesus Christ. I want you to ask yourself this confrontive question and answer it honestly. And if West Virginia are one thing, West Virginians, they're honest. And this is a good time to be honest. And that's why pride will keep people out of heaven. Because it takes humility to admit, I've been going in the wrong direction. But I'm not going to finish how I started. I'm going to correct things. Maybe the whole meeting was extended a second week just so you could have a chance to get rid of sin instead of sin getting rid of you. If you're here tonight and you fall into either of those two categories, in the balcony, in the lobby, along the walls, in the main auditorium on the platform, you say, Jonathan, the truth is, if I were honest, I've grown lukewarm. I've grown indifferent. I've allowed, maybe like I preached earlier, maybe when you got hit by an attack, the, devil, the devil's attack found its target. You thought, well, what's the use anymore? If God allows stuff like this to happen, what's the point? And you went cold, indifferent, lukewarm. But tonight, God's used the preaching of the word to say, no, I'm not going to let the devil have the upper hand. I'm not going to let him write the final chapter of my life. And base my whole life around the worst thing that ever happened to me. I'm going to join hands with Jesus. And together we're going to see what the devil meant for bad. Get taken and flipped for good. But it starts with you surrendering your life. I'm going to give you my whole life. Not part of me. All of me. And I'm not putting it off one hour. I'm doing it tonight. If that's you and you need to do that tonight, I want you to quickly lift your hand and wave it at me. And we're going to pray. I see your hands. That's a lot of people right off the bat. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, come out of your seat and join me at the altar right now. Come quickly. Come on, tonight's your night. Go ahead and let them out in the balcony. Come down. We'll wait for you. Come. Tonight's your night. Come as close as you can. Keep clapping. This is something to be celebrated. Awesome. Keep coming. If God's dealing with your heart, there's room for you. There's time for you. This is your night. Look at all the people from the balcony. This is awesome. Let me make room. Lift your hands unto the Lord. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. I want you to say it from your heart to God like you saw those people do. Watch what God does deep down on the inside of you. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old life is dead. Behold, all things become new. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, 
I come to you tonight. I give you my life. I turn my back on sin. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me strong. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am forgiven. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. I will not turn back. In Jesus' name. Keep your hands lifted. Let me bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. The arrows of the wicked will not come upon you. The shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the devil. I loose the fire of the Holy Ghost. When I lay my hands on you tonight with everybody else, that fire will burn out every impurity, every unclean thing, and put a passion in you for God. An undying, unshakable passion for God. In Jesus' name. The last backward step you took will be the last backward step you ever take. No more compromise. No more half in, half out. You will serve the Lord with an unbroken, undying passion from now until the trumpet sounds. None of you will be absent on that great day in heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. Welcome, 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 welcome. Way to go. Welcome. Great job. Go ahead. Do your thing, my friend. They're going to give you a card from the church. I want you to get plugged in to a good church. And by a good church, I mean this specific church. And then if you're from Columbus, Rock Church Columbus. And then if I want to go anywhere else besides those two places. Very important. It's very important that you're in a great church that's on fire. And as you can see, this church is on fire. Your sins are all forgiven. Jesus loves you. And then don't miss the laying on of hands. Now, let me give you a second thing. Do everything in your power. And I know some of you came from Ohio and far away. Do everything in your power to make Thursday and Friday night. Because we're not finishing with a limp. We're finishing with a bang. Everything gets stronger in these meetings. And so I'm excited for these next two nights. Amen? Your sins are all forgiven. God doesn't remember one thing you did before 1056. It's all under the blood. You're a new creature. Amen? So I'm going to pray for you when I pray for everybody in just a little bit. But I, I want to congratulate you. Way to do the right thing. Feels good to have the load of sin lifted off your back. Amen? All right. You can stay right here. I'm going to have everybody else stand to your feet. I want you to set everybody that's in uh, from my church, Revival Today Church, they're going to have you go to the gym and go to a special section of the gym so I can lay hands on you and you can get on the bus and start the drive back. And then I'm going to hit everybody, West Virginia and, and Ohio, right after I, I knock those out. But I want, you to, um, I want you to open your heart to receive. The laying on of hands isn't some formality. The Bible says, Paul told Timothy, stir up, listen to this now, stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. 
So the laying on of hands is a transference of what's in one vessel to another vessel that's hungry. Everybody say that's hungry. You can't just stand there like a lump on a pickle. You can't force the gifts of God on people. But I know you're hungry. You didn't drive two hours and whatever because you're not hungry or unsure. Open your heart and receive. Now, what are you going to receive? Everybody say the fire. And now say this, the fire will never go out. So what's the thing we spent the most time on? Breaking indifference. A fire to stand against the thing the devil used to use to back you into a corner. You'll never take another backward step the rest of your life in Jesus' name. I said you'll never take another backward step in Jesus' name. From glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. Amen? Amen? So now lift both hands, even if you're walking to where they're lining you up. And lift both hands, every hand lifted. Say this, Father, as hands are laid on me tonight, I receive the Holy Ghost and fire. That fire will never go out. Burn out indifference, lukewarmness, compromise in Jesus' name. Give me a holy passion for God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I lay my hands on you, I want you to receive that. If you're filled with the Spirit, when hands are laid on you, begin to speak in other tongues. If you've not received that infilling, begin to speak it out as hands are laid on you. You receive tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.